Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Collective Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 230 with my friend Johannes Lindquist, who wouldn't give himself a title. Before I record the episodes, I have a conversation with the guest. Uh, fortunately, I met Johannes out in Vienna at D2 conference, so we had to kind of already spoken. But when I asked him before we started the episode what his title would like to be in the, in the intro, he said, he said something like the creative dirt or something uh, funny. So I, I, and but I, he's obviously a very skilled uh, CGI artist. So if you're not familiar with his work, there we're gonna have links and all that kind of stuff as well. But he's a very humble CGI artist, which is my favorite. My favorite artist, as you know, that I kind of they come on the episodes that they're humbled and they have lots of knowledge to offer, which is great. Uh, Johannes comes on, and it's just really great to have uh, him on. We've, we've been kind of working on getting this episode going for a bit now. And it's really cool to kind of see and hear his perspective. This was intended to be an hour and a half episode, but it turned into like a two and a half hour episode. I know some of you love the long episodes, some of you don't, um, but you can break it up into pieces. We cover a lot of ground in this episode and we speak openly about a lot of things that I think are need, need that need to be talked about. Um, and and are, I find... I don't know if they're talked about openly in the public forums. I don't really pay attention, nor do I listen to a lot of other kind of creative podcasts. Um, but it's it's a, a couple of these things are really interesting. Um, one of them is about sharing, like sharing knowledge. Um, one of the other things is the downfall of comparing yourself to other artists and then, you know, failing at that. Uh, another one is like where your intuition comes from and this epidemic of of lack of ownership from people in general. Um, so there's a lot of really interesting topics and, and also kind of how we navigate client work and stuff. You might, if you're new to all this kind of stuff, there could be some really great lessons uh, involved in this. And I think a lot of people are shifting to freelance and working as a freelance artist. And so there's a couple, um, I think personally, some really big gems in here. So, yeah, it's a big episode packed with a lot of juicy bits, in my opinion. I think it's, uh, it's a great one. And I'm really stoked that Joe came on to share, share his time with us. So let's get into it, everybody. Episode 230 of the Collective Podcast. Let's roll. The thing that I, I mean, we, so apparently we, we met when we were out in Vienna. I think I was a little lit, so I apologize. I met a lot of people, so <laughs> it got me nice no, that's, and uh, uh, boozed up, so that was great. Oh, uh, yeah, that's uh, the way you're supposed to be at those occasions. Yeah, it was fun. I was like, hey, you know what, this, this is have fun. I don't get a chance to get out of the office much, and then um, when I do travel, I, I love meeting my European friends and uh, you guys know how to party and drink out there. So I'm like, I partake because I don't really ever drink here. So yeah, but yeah, you got to uh, take a chance. Yes, I, you must, you must. And yeah. uh, I had, I was given this book um, by the dudes that hosted the show. Really great guys. Um, their name escapes me. I apologize guys. Sweet, sweethearts that run D2 in Vienna. Um, but it's a book called great talks about photorealism and uh oh, yeah that's uh from bogdan 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 sasu i think yeah made the book yes that's it and uh yeah it was um 
I read through, I'm about halfway through. Uh, I love this stuff because uh, it's interesting for me because I, I don't really consider myself a CGI person, but apparently I am, but I'm, I don't really think of it like that. But um, I really appreciate the level that you guys go to. And when you guys, I mean you and all these other people there in this book, because you guys go to create lengths and, and there was a tenacity and like an energy when I was reading your interview and I thought, man, it would be really great to have you on, um, not only to know more about you and your journey and to share that with people that might not be familiar to work on the collective podcast, but at the same time, kind of, I've been thinking about how to do a somewhat of a PSA for people. I get a lot of questions, general questions about things. And since you're way more, uh, advanced or experienced in this realm, I figured hmm, it would be good to bounce a lot of ideas off you and see what you think and then okay. use this as a PSA if that makes sense, if you're up for it. So we can always yeah, talk about absolutely. cars too, because I know uh, we both really appreciate and love cars too. So, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, but I'm happy with that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I know, um, I guess let's do a little brief history about you and where you come from. I, the thing I love about the book is it turns out that you like we're in school and then you're, you, you took over the teacher's job and became the teacher, yeah, your the, students or your, your fellow classmates. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty weird story. Actually, I, um, you know, I fell into 3d, I was at a, like a long land party. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, do people even know about those stuff anymore? I like, didn't until yeah, Cornelius t- told me about it. Apparently it's like where you can explain it actually. Okay, well, it's just, uh, you know, we were a bunch of kids getting together a weekend, bringing our computers. They were not very, uh, you know, carry friendly back then. But and, uh, you know, just bringing them and uh, play games for a whole weekend. Uh, and, you know, everyone was playing Counter-Strike and World of, uh, not, not World of Warcraft. I don't think that has, had actually kind of been released back then. So I think it was just you know, Warcraft two or whatever. It doesn't matter anyway. So I, um, there, uh, there was a friend of mine there, uh, called Victor and he's actually, uh, the man behind the now world famous game. Um, my friend Pedro. So he, uh, he showed me a robot that he had made in a program called Caligari true space. And, you know, I got totally obsessed with that. It was like, Oh, this is so cool. I got to do this. So that was my first, you know, introduction to 3D basically. And, and, uh, so I, I downloaded that program program and I just, you know, I, I had to learn this. Um, and I don't know, for some reason I found 3ds max and I started learning that and I was super excited because, wow, I could do shadows. I, I, I you know, that was so cool. Probably you could do shadows in Caligari true space as well, but I didn't know how, at least, but, you know, I was, this is, you know, terms like global illumination and stuff like that did mm-hmm. kind of didn't exist or they did, but I didn't know about it. Um, so, you know, this is, um, in the really early days, I would say, I think, you know, I'm 31 today. I think this, I think I was like 13 or 14 back then. So it was before YouTube, before Facebook. And, um, when I was trying to learn, 3d there was a site called 3d total that had a bunch of uh yeah so they had a bunch of uh um you know text-based tutorials or or, you know i don't even know if you could call it tutorial but you know what i mean Mm. 
So, and they, you know, some steps had images, some didn't. Uh, there were always some button you had to click that you couldn't find the button. And there was always some step along this process when you were following the tutorial that they just left out. So you you got stuck like every time you got stuck. <laughs> um, so, you know, I could spend, you know, nights. I had this. I don't even know where I could. I, I found this inspiration to be sitting to four or five a.m. every morning just trying to plow through these tutorials and uh but you know somehow i got through them and i think this is a a reason to why i guess i know 3ds max really well today because i had to figure everything out myself because you know there were no youtube videos telling me what to do and these 3d total courses there was always something missing so you had to do your own troubleshooting uh, which kind of you know, you learned to really find your way through the programs and, and uh, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, figure things out and solve the problems you encounter. Yeah. Well, I think today people are pretty, um, what do you call it? They're, um, oh, I can't find the words. Well, like spoiled. Spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are spoiled yeah. today because, yeah. you know, they're every single bit of information is out there on YouTube and, and it's so easy to, to learn things today. Basically I still hit walls, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely way easier to, to get into this more than ever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, getting back to that, uh, uh, becoming a teacher, I, um, I applied to, we have like a Swedish equivalent of high school. It doesn't really work the same way, but it kind of the same. And I applied to that course or that uh, program because they had, um, they had a course for 3d or 3ds max. And, uh, you know, I was talking, you know, this is what I want to do, I, I, I suppose. So I applied to that and I got in and it, I learned pretty quickly that I was actually already then better than the teacher. And for some reason, uh, probably because of that, uh, my teacher, uh, went on a long sick leave. So she basically, she, she, uh, she disappeared man. from school oh, for like killed a year. Her. Uh, yeah, I killed think her with your CGI. I don't, maybe, I don't know. He, she, uh, you know, <laughs> she, uh, maybe she was hurt or something, you know, in her soul because, you know, she felt absolutely, I don't know. But yeah, anyway, so that um, happened to all of us too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> so anyway, she, uh, she, she disappeared and there were no teacher and they couldn't find a teacher. So I was like, Hey, I can, I could teach, I suppose, you know, I, I've never, I've never done that before, but I could try. So my, uh, the principal of the school had to attend the classes because he was the only one who could give me a grade and he was giving me a grade on my skills of teaching and not 3D because he could he didn't know anything about 3D so he couldn't give me a grade about you know 3D so I got a grade on my teaching skills instead which is you know pretty absurd for a you know, young guy <laughs> but that must have been good for the ego I would imagine too like so you're already an outlier at what 17 you said uh yeah that was yeah that must have been yeah 17 i think we, i graduated graduated in like i was 18 yeah so 17 18 about there similar school system in a way i guess as the states uh, sweden maybe different i don't know i think it is actually pretty similar. similar just uh i think the age just differs a little bit but mm. otherwise it's pretty pretty similar gotcha okay 
Yeah, so that's weird and awesome. Did your uh, fellow classmates, did they were like, what the heck, man? Yeah, but I think, you know, I, I really noticed one thing. That's that, you know, uh, my classmates actually, uh, they enjoyed the class much more mm. when I was holding it. I don't know why, if it was because I was just younger or, you know, I was more hip like they were. I don't know. <laughs> but um, they enjoyed it more, at least. Yeah, more relatable. And that was fun. You know, and the, you know this basically I, I chose this school only for this course and this that course. I had to run that course myself. So it, it was I didn't you know that basically that was three years spoiled because I, I didn't learn anything while, you know, going to that school. But it was a fun experience, at least. So, yeah, that was another thing, too, like in your in the book, in the interview that you had mentioned that. It's not that you're against school, but you don't see the point of it necessarily because it's unlike most professions. What we do is is actually gained by experience and failure and self teaching, self like development, really. Because you can you can watch every tutorial under the sun, it, but it's all theory until you apply it, and then until you, you hit that wall, wouldn't you say? Exactly. Yeah, and you know, I um, I I don't know. I have some kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say I hate the school system in Sweden or, you know, schools in general, but I think schools are a little bit overrated because the things that you, I mean, it's, it's more up to the individual because a lot of people, at least here in Sweden, a lot of people go to school, um, because they, you know, they, they go to school because they want to learn and they think that it's the teacher's responsibility to learn them things or to teach them things. Mm -hmm. And then they go home after school and they, you know, spend their time playing games or, you know, going, doing sports or whatever. Um, while I think it's, you know, when you get home from school, that's where the real teaching begins because that's when you have to take responsibility to, you know, sit all night and just crushing it. Yeah. It's all about ownership <clears throat> exactly, forever, yeah. forever and ever with everything in life. Um, everything comes down to ownership, like yeah. how much responsibility you're willing to take for your, your existence really. Um, you, I know it's, it's, it's a big problem, um, that I've noticed with just people in general, but <clears throat> also in CGI and just everything, it's people don't want to take ownership for things. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a slippery slope though. And there's a couple of things we can talk about later down the conversation, mm -hmm. but yeah, well, yeah I, that, I agree. That conversation agree. can be huge. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It's massive because it can get into the realm of like, well, um, cause I have, I have counter arguments to certain things like, um, well, if you didn't model everything and texture everything and do it and then, then you're, you're not doing, you're not taking ownership of it. And then it's almost like. Well, then if you didn't program the computer and if you didn't build the microchips and you didn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It gets uh, instantly oh, yeah. very granular. Um, yeah. and it, and I, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed that we're still seeing these arguments. Yeah, like people, yeah. people can post an image on Facebook and people are like, Hey, how much did you actually do? Like, did you model everything? And no, I, I bought the models. Did you do the textures? Well, no. Then what did you do? They say, it's like, yeah. it's not about that. You know, it's about being, you know, creative, you know, composing this image, you know, or whatever, how to, how to call it. Yeah. I, I have the equivalent cause I love photography. I have the equivalent to, Oh, so you didn't, you know, so let's say this, the scenario is you're in a, a room and you take a photograph and you, but you didn't create the stove or you didn't create the, 
cutting board or you didn't build the yeah. chairs and and but people don't look at the photographer and go like oh you're you're just a cheap hack you know it's weird with cgi there's this level that's a really uh it's really weird um i think i mentioned earlier and before we started getting into it that i'd like to turn this treat this episode as not only getting to know you but also like the cgi mega lord uh psa to everybody you know because <laughs> i feel like there, we have to have more of these conversations in a dynamic form to really start to articulate it so yeah. that we stop hitting these same kind of conundrums because i feel like they're legitimate conundrums you know that occur consistently and continually and it's like okay everybody because i've had that same argument where it's like oh you didn't model this or you didn't do that therefore you're invalid and yeah. to their to their opinion uh to their criteria sure i could see that as being true but it's also not true because the overall um, aspect and i think it's usually it's just unvetted criticism that actually doesn't make any sense because they don't know what you're trying to achieve. You know, they, they assume that you're trying to achieve what they want you to, to achieve, but they don't mm -hmm. really know what that is, you know? So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Also, one thing that I've, I've learned is that if people, just because it's 3d, people get more critic, uh, criticizing or critic, critical, Criti mm -hmm. critical. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I have an example from Ikea. I was working at Ikea for about five and a half years in total. Um, you know, just being part of building up their huge 3d uh, department or what became a really huge 3d department. And I have some stories from there where, um, you know, we did these experiments where, uh, for example, we could have a, an art director coming by and looking at an image and they said that I had this rug doesn't look really good. It, you know, it doesn't look perfect. So they wanted us to go to the studio and we should photograph a real rug and retouch that into to the CGI image. And so we could say, sure, we'll do it. Come back tomorrow. And we have replaced the rug with a photographed rug. And so they came back the day after and they said, a lot better you know this is well this is looking so much better <laughs> i know but the thing is we didn't do anything do we anything didn't change exactly. anything yeah <laughs> yeah it was the exact same image they were they were looking at yeah and they were like just because they thought it was photographed yeah it looked it looked photoreal to them but as long as they know it's 3d Mm -hmm. they they start find issues that doesn't exist you know they they people start looking for issues because they know the image is not real and i think this is a problem also when working with the clients i'm i'm facing this every day basically where i can get comments like hey this shadow doesn't really it doesn't look realistic it shouldn't it shouldn't act like that in real life hmm. it was like i'm always like you know these every renderer today they uh they just follow the math you know lighting yeah. is math you know it's just simple math and and every renderer does it the same way basically they just follow the rules of physics mm -hmm. light rays bouncing off particles changing their their yeah of exactly I mean, in, in the camera it, the perspective of the camera yeah Exactly. And, you know, all of that is just, it is defined by math and it's, it's not that complicated to be honest. Uh, I mean, not that I understand it, but it's, it's not that complicated to, I mean, if you know what you're doing, if you're developing a render engine, so you know that most render engines does it the same way and it follows the, the laws of physics, but still unbiased ones is what you're talking about too, right? Cause 
biased uh, rangers well, are yeah. slightly different the way that they calculate the 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 gi or the way that light bounces correct yeah totally yeah okay. but then i mean if we're going into that like there are no real unbiased renderers out there as far as i know about, but more or less unbiased at least oh yeah could you but, explain that a little bit more because that's always been a topic that i've been trying oh, to I, I wish i could you know i was i i was um I was doing my keynote presentation at State of Art Academy in Venice a couple of years ago in Italy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking about, I think I was talking about F-Storm as an unbiased renderer. And then after my talk, the developers of Corona, uh, the Corona render came up to me and said like, hey, just so you know, that is not an unbiased renderer. I was like, yeah, it is. And they were like, no, not really. And so they gave me an explanation of what is actually unbiased rendering and they, you know, I, I can just refer to what they, I can't even remember what they said, but, uh, yeah, so I, I'm not, I'm not really a technical guy in that regard. And that's also why I think I, I love, you know, I, I've been sticking to F storm renderer, uh, this Russian pretty new renderer. Mm-hmm. And basically I do, I use this for all my productions. I've been doing that for the last like three or four years. And I think the reason to that is because it's, it doesn't require me to be a technician. You know, if I use V-Ray, for example, and I render with that, there are so many settings I have to learn and there are so many, you know, I encounter issues that I don't know how to solve. Whereas in F-Storm, you know, it allows me to be a... like a digital photographer like a virtual photographer rather than a technician and you know that's i never really i i don't enjoy doing settings i don't enjoy learning every bit of how a render engine works i just want it to work to give good results so i can be a creative (laughs) yeah that's uh it's exactly my sentiment as well when it comes to cgi the worst part of cgi is just Oh, the normals are off or that texture tile is too revealed or like, you know, all of the yeah, things yeah. that it's like, oh, the scale is wrong or the lighting isn't matching or the th- yeah. basically because the whole time you're just fighting it. Um, yeah. Suddenly you can't see an object anymore and you just yeah. can't figure out why. It's just, <laughs> you know, you have to do these troubleshootings. And, you know, I, I've always Endless. I always used to say that. 3D artists are basically problem solvers or troubleshooters, but I want to get away from that. You know, I want to get away from all that kind of crap. I feel like it's, um, I'm pretty new to all this stuff. Um, I got in maybe like four or five years ago and the first engine that I started using was Octane. Yeah. And Octane is, uh, it's wicked fast and, um, it has a lot of strengths, but it also has a decent amount of weaknesses, especially at the time, because it was still in development. I think the latest one is a lot better. Um, it's got a lot more features and stuff. I think I've always wanted to be into V-Ray because it just simply, I appreciate the way that the light's calculated. I don't know if that makes sense. There's something about it. Um, I've seen matters between the two. I know it's, I know it's an opinion, but there's something about Mm -hmm. The way that I and, and I think most of it's just down to the eye of the of the user um, and how oh, yeah, far that person uses it because I, I I saw in the interview too that you've used V-Ray, Corona, Octane, and then now F-Storm, which is also yeah. another curious thing because I'm the same way uh, when it comes to renders and just 3D tools or just tools in general. It's 
is, is like I, I I know Jules. He's one of the big div- main dudes at Octane. He's a sweetheart, and I really like him. But I'm also uh, like Jules. Yeah, Jules. Yeah. 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 yeah, uh, yeah. But I'm also really. I mean, I started using Redshift, which is a direct competitor. Um, not out of spite or anything. I just was curious, and there's a lot of really great things that Redshift does, like um, volumetrics and things are very stable and they're very fast. But they're the, but the problem is the GI is quite different for me at least when you're okay. trying to achieve that hyper reality. And then I have friends like uh, my friend Carlos, uh, aka Color Sponge. He uses uh, Corona now, but he's been using V-Ray for a long time too. So, but what I've seen from V-Ray and all these different applications or renders is just I don't know if it's the user's eye or their ability, but the the most photorealistic images that I've seen, quote unquote, photorealistic is going to be V-Ray or your F-Storm stuff is looking pretty awesome too. And also Corona's Thank you. really good stuff too. So yeah, yeah. so I mean, the t- that means that the tool is actually working, you know, so. Yeah, and this is a discussion that I, I want to kill that once and for all. And that's because I still get these questions like which renderer is best, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, people know what render engine I use. So why do you even ask? I think Storm is the best one for me, obviously. Yeah. But I think I wrote that in the book as well, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, I think renderers are like clothes because, you know, they all fill the same purpose, but still some renderers fit some people better than others. Yeah. And I think that's that's totally down to just your personality and just how you like to work. And I, I think I realized this actually when I was quitting Ikea because, you know, I was working there and, uh, you know, working at a big company like that, you need to follow, you need to, everyone needs to, to work in the same way. You know, you have workflows that are just, you know, they are, they are written in stone. You have to work this way because, you know, if not, if everyone isn't working the same way, you can't open each other's scenes you can't, you know, if someone goes home sick, you got to be able to take over that guy's job and, and so on. Yeah. So we had these like rules of we got to use this renderer we've got to work in this way. And, and we even try, you know, having layering in scenes, having, you know, following certain rules and, I just realized that I cannot work this way. You know, I'm, I want to be a creative, not some, uh, you know, I, I can't follow rules. And, uh, I realized when I quit Ikea and started, you know, doing my own thing and I was starting, um, you know, trying different renders and trying different workflows. And I just realized that, you know, my personal development skyrocketed as soon as I didn't have to stick to someone else's, you know, workflows. Mm. And this is also, uh, I've written a couple of articles about that online, about, you know, that people should stop following their heroes. Mm-hmm. Like, There's you know, a time I w- when an artist should, that's true. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, is you know, I was, I was in a period where I, I wanted to beat Bertrand Benoit. You know, everyone knows Bertrand Benoit. He's like the king of of, of Arcvis, the king of 3D in in, uh, in like architecture, at least interior architecture. What about Alexander uh, Roman? I think that's his name. Yeah. Oh yeah, seventh guy yeah. too. So it's, it's, oh, they're yeah. the same person, maybe. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> Just no, no, no. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, Alex Roman, is uh, he was more like you know exterior focused while Bertrand has always been more interior focused. It's kind of two different styles, but like he, uh, you know, I, I went to keynote presentations where 
Bertrand was was uh, speaking and I took notes on everything he did. And I, I, I went home and I tried to do the exact same thing he was doing. You know, I I was trying to find his magic trick, you know, yeah. like this magic trick. Everyone is talking about this magic trick trick. Like what kind of tricks do you use to make your images? Yeah. What magic buttons and, did you hit? Yeah. Exactly. And I was trying to figure that out and just, you know, uh, break down his workflow. And I never succeeded. I never succeeded. You know, I was I was spending so much time just trying to replicate what someone else was doing. Yeah. And then at some point I just gave up. You know, I felt that, you know, I I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not reaching my goals. I'm not reaching nearly the same results as he have. So, you know, why do I even continue doing this? So I stopped. It's a beautiful and... point, actually. I don't mean to interrupt, but that was a beautiful point because I think there's a time when you, as an artist, you go off and you do these things and then you have these heroes and then you realize that no matter what you do to try and replicate it, it's even you could use it with music too. It's like, oh, I love, you know, like Jimi Hendrix and you would play his solos every day and you would just keep practicing but no matter what is the way that his influences came out of him and the purity of his soul and the way he played music was so authentic to him that no matter what you do, you cannot replace or replicate. You have to do your own. And there's, it's a, it's a heartbreaking moment. Honestly, I've had it many yeah. times with my art cause I've done a lot of different types of art too. So, cause I go like, Oh, I love Frank Frazetta's art or like I love Mike Mignola's art or I want to do this. I want to draw like uh, Jeff Darrow and, and you go try to do it. And then you realize like, oh, it's just a replication, you know, <laughs> yeah. and same for CGI. That thing never escapes because you, you, yeah, you're just replicating. So, so I just wanted to add on to that because I, yeah, I really, really exactly. agree with this point. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think that's a, that's an important thing for every creator in every field just to realize that you have to find your own thing eventually. Yeah. Uh, because you know, I was I was doing all that, and it does it didn't work. And at some point, I gave up basically. And I, you know, it was it was bad. You know, do you remember? Um, yeah, kind of, kind of. You know, I had like, um, I had this feeling like, okay, I'll just I'll just be happy with where I am. I just try to make some money doing the same procedure over and over again. You know, I I kind of you know just decided to not care about becoming better and just you know work and how long you know, did that make, go for um not very long actually because it, that's when i realized you know when i stopped trying to when i stopped walking in someone else's footsteps and i stopped trying to do what someone else was doing mm-hmm. i realized like hey i'm actually improving you know this is where <laughs> my biggest if you would look at, you know, the, the curvature of your personal improvements, this is where things really took off because finally I started trying new software. It's not because someone else was doing it, but because I wanted to, you know, I didn't, I didn't use the programs that Bertrand Benoit was using. I was using the stuff that I wanted to try. And when I encountered issues, I didn't try to solve them like he was solving them. But I had to find my own solutions to these issues. And suddenly, you know, the personal development just skyrocketed. Mm. And I think the sooner 
people can, you know, just realize that they have to go down their own path, then the better, because they, that's when, you know, the real development starts. Yeah. At least for me, but I think it's, I think it's, it's true for mankind in general. I think, um, yeah, I think so. We're social creatures. Um, we're, we're obviously, we live and in, 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 are affected deeply by the, the, the effect of others on us, um, you know, via tribe mentality or government or whatever you want to call it. So it's, it's a, it's, it's through and through it, not only as artists, but also as this too. And I think a lot of it is like you're saying the, the hero's journey almost. And you mentioned the 10,000 hours in the book too. And I agree with that as well. It's like, we all yeah. have to be willing to go into, um, the unknown and, seek answers and find answers. And I think that if I were to look at art in an abstract, when I close my mind and my eyes and I think about art in general as this kind of, when I go to my therapist, I try to explain it and I, I kind of say like, it's this massive enigma that's constantly changing and it's never, you're never able to solve it. But every once in a while you get like a, a brief view of it and you go, wow, like this is this thing. I found that yeah. the, the more that you go into it, the more you give to it, the more it gives back, the more authentic you are with it, the more it gives back, the more you um, challenge yourself, the more it gives back. And then I also think that the the, the more you take ownership of, of discovery, those failures actually, they all add up and that becomes your style. Yeah, It's all the failures. It's the long nights and stuff. It's just... I I think with CGI They're and shaping you. Yeah, I don't even think it's a ten thousand hour rule. I think the ten thousand hour rule is the first hill. I think yeah. it's I think it's a it's a lifetime thing. I think you just yeah, literally I, have to do it for and in your entire life, and you'll never. You have to get to the point where you go. All right, I'm never gonna reach that goal, but I'm happy on the journey. You know. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad, but it's very true, you know? So. Yeah. But I, you know, I can relate to that. I mean, since it must be about 15 years now since I started doing 3d and I don't know how many hours that translates into, but it's probably way more than 15, I mean, 10,000 hours, but still I don't you should do the math myself. someday. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually had like a year that I, didn't touch 3d at all because i just got so sick of it and but a whole year, that's another huh? story yeah but uh did that's you get depressed story. and burnt out on it or something uh, no well i think it was, it was uh it was pretty early on you know but i think it was just you know i i didn't feel any improvement and i kind of lost the lost the uh, fire for it mm -hmm. you know but um to come back to the point um you know i think after all these hours, I still do not consider myself an artist mm -hmm. because I think, I mean, and, and I can take you as an example. I consider you to be more of an artist that I will never be because like I've, well, I've found my style maybe, but I only, I kind of keep to doing one thing and that is interior visualization because I kind of, that's my niche and I, I became pretty good at it, but I'm just, I'm just, you know, doing the same thing over and over again in, in, you know, just with some different touches. Whereas you, for example, you do everything. You do movies, you do CGI, you do cars, you do science fiction, you do like, you know, all these kind of, you know, animations, still images and photography and, and 
concept arts. And that to me is real artistry. And I think what I am in comparing, you know, in compared to that, I don't know really what I am just to, you know, I may be a creator, but I don't think I'm an artist. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all, um, it's a tricky, it's a real tricky road because I can also compare myself to you. And then I look at you and I go, well, I, I'm lacking discipline and focus, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you see what I'm saying here? Like it, you can yeah. flip it easily. And then that perspective actually can, totally. can, can West, like, well, I think it's, it's, it's really good because I, I think it's important to always be humbled by the fact that we really know nothing and the little bits that we do know, we should be blessed to have them if we continue on, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah totally. I, I get these epiphanies of just like big thoughts basically. And so I think that's one of those big thoughts. It's like, okay. Um, like lately I've been listening to Roger Deacon's podcast. I think I sent you a link, Roger mm-hmm. and, and James Deacon, his wife, James and him are making this amazing podcast. I'm loving it because Roger obviously has a wealth of knowledge and he, it's it's a very rare situation where you get a glimpse into a master's working, a current day working master, which is also kind of rare um, at the level that he is and how open and willing he is to share his information with everybody, um, which is another thing I'd love to talk with you about is just sharing because uh, I get moments where I want to share everything and I get moments where I want to share nothing, you know, um, yeah. and I'm sure you probably have the same thing. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, but I'm curious as to why, and I, sometimes I feel bad about it, but well, that's a topic. Uh, when I do the podcast, you had asked if I had agenda or questions, I basically have main topics. It's kind of how I, um, direct actors. I just say like, um, this topic and do that and this, you know, so it's generalized and then we disseminate and kind of dig down into the content. But back to the point of Roger Deakins saying is he, when he breaks things down is really interesting and hearing his approach to art is really interesting because he's a guy that's basically dedicated his entire life to the art of cinematography, but he's also like fundamentally a painter artist too. And so it's like, it's interesting to look at him also in comparison to kind of like say us, you know, it's like everybody is on a journey, you know, we're all, we're all on our own different journeys. Like, you thinking that I'm more of an artist than you and me looking at you thinking that you're more disciplined than I am. Like it's good to have that perspective, you know, because no, that's, you know, that's super funny because well, that's truth, the though. one thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing I took with me from your speech in D2 in Vienna was that you are such a disciplined guy and I need to learn about that. I, oh. I need to learn discipline. <laughs> So I think this, this is pretty, pretty funny real. because yeah. it is like it, we have totally different views of things, you know, yeah. because it, it's easier to I don't know. It's, it's, it's easier to see someone else's uh, treats than yourself, so I guess. Yes. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it, though, too. I think it's something to be embraced as long as you don't let that depress you or crush you. There's moments, yeah. you know, it's like I was talking with a close friend the other day and he was saying that like he lets anger motivate his art. And I and I said, that's cool. You know, like if that works for you. And I said, but I said, it's not good for your health, you know. Um, and I said, why don't you try to come at it from a place of love, you know, like try to use the joy of like the love of creation to make things and stuff. And he thought yeah. that was pretty interesting, too, because I just in my mind, I was like, it's a healthier approach. But um I was going with that. What was I going with that? Yeah, whatever. But yeah, it's interesting the different perspectives <laughs> right. of like how and what motivates us, you know, um, and also what we look at when we see other people's art, you know, 
oftentimes I think we, when we look and encounter somebody else's art, especially living and somebody that's currently um, working through their journey, um, what we look at, at least for me, is I go, oh, this could be me if I went that way, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm actually going this way. And I think, um, what's the CGI artist that you love? Benjamin, as you said, uh, the guy that you said that you were like kind of trying to mimic, but then got lost with it. Oh yeah. Bertrand, Bertrand Benoit, uh, Benoit, French. okay. Bertrand Benoit. Okay. Yeah. I know. I'm sure I've seen his work. If, if he's, uh, oh, yeah. amazing, B I'm sure. BBB three viz is like his alias. Okay, cool. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not actually, I just recently, since the D2 thing is like the first time I've actually spent time to kind of dig down in a little bit more into the arc viz stuff. Cause I really appreciate it and, and, and adore it. Um, and I think there's a, a massive value to it. So I'm really interested in it, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, um, lost my train of yeah. thought again, but yeah, and uh, this is uh, it's pretty funny because when I met you at you know at D two, I was like because I, I I followed you for a long time and I know the art that you do and I I envy basically everything you do, but you know when I approached you and I talked to you there, I was like I was and and you know I still am pretty convinced that you must have been thinking I was the most boring guy in the world because Arkvis is like super boring you know I I believe Arkvis is super boring it's just that uh, I don't even consider it an art you know it's just recreating a space that's that's all it is to me well I don't think I, I mean I don't I really enjoyed it I feel I feel like a lot of people had come up and told me that same sentiment and I was like I didn't really I don't know. Um, maybe it's because what I do, I don't know what it makes me, makes people feel that way around me. I don't feel that at all. I try not to devalue anybody's journey ever. Um, unless yeah. I can just tell they're aping people and like making regenerative crap art, but I don't really see that. I think with the archivist stuff, I have a great appreciation for it simply because it does take a tremendous amount of time to achieve the level of photorealism, you know? So I have a huge affinity and appreciation for that simply because of the discipline of it. It's, it's not easy. And at the same time, trying to be creative within realms of using simple things that exist in the realm of reality and then shifting them so that they feel augmented in a, in a dreamlike space, you know? So, cause yeah. um, that's why I was going to use Alex Roman, for example, cause I feel like Alex, Alex is worth, and I'm talking specifically about the third and the seventh, which I still think it's 10 years old almost, I think now, but it's still one of the mm. best, which is ironic, you know, so mm. yeah, totally. <laughs> it's very, it's, it's one of my favorite lessons uh, that I've learned is from him in that project. It's just like, there's projects that come through and they just hit the mark and they will set the trend basically. Um, and yeah. I've never achieved anything like him and I'm not sure if this is something that I want to achieve, but I also appreciate the level, but it's also ironic that it's been 10 years and it's still, in my opinion, uh, special. And uh, there's an ethereal quality to his work, though. You know, it's, yeah. an, it's, it's, it's a hybrid version of a reality. And it's, in my mind, it's very uh, cinematic in the sense that it's like watching um, really great cinema. It's, it's, it's uh, like Roger Deakins' films will have that presence. He's more disciplined and less kind of... Um, I, I would say maybe Darius Kanji's work perhaps is more closely and I'd say reference to like the movie seven, for example, is very mm -hmm. dreamlike and whimsical in its own right, you know, but that's all through the lens of the cinematographer and obviously feature mm -hmm. as well too. So, 
but yeah. I, I but I, pr- I appreciate that. So I'd say within the realm of ArcViz, I think that there is a massive room to play in that space, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, so, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a realm yeah. that I want to get into further. It's eventually, I think I'll get into it later on. So I mean, you should just because I want to see what you can come or you can get out of it because well, I know that you are, of it, so, yeah. I mean, you, you are, according to me, you are, a, you know, a true artist where you, you kind of, you have a, I don't know, a lot of people in this industry, me included, um, we, it's, it's hard, especially for archivists, it's really hard to, I don't know how to express this, but it's really hard to, um, to do something interesting. You know, a great piece of art is an art that tells a story or something that creates a feeling. And you know, I was actually, I had a, I have a, an example of that because I made some images a while ago and I got a comment. He was saying, wow, this image made me so sad. Hmm. And I was like, first I was like, wow, that's not good. Sorry. <laughs> but then I was like, dude, that's amazing. Mm. Because I made an image that made you feel something. Mm-hmm. And that to me is a success. Success. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that I achieved something by doing that, you know, and especially an archivist image that gives someone a feeling that's not easy. And I don't think I can do it. You know, I, you know, making spatial renderings of architecture and making, you know, making the viewer feel something is really hard, Mm. but I think that's important because that's what gives life to the art. And I think, you know, I would love to see your take on that because I know that, you know, basically anything you do is really done out of the, you know, that it has to create some kind of feeling, you know, there's some kind of mood, there's some kind of, I don't know, moment, the story, um, which is really hard to get into my industry. Uh, Well, I appreciate it. It's very kind of you. I don't take compliments very well, especially from people that are better than me, but I appreciate it. So I'm Uh, I'm uh, I'm going to appreciate it. Yeah. It's it's very (laughs) humbling. I I mean, I, I think the way, the way that if we were to dive into this, the way that the my mind kind of approaches these things is I kind of, it's like the same thing with photography. We can all grab a camera and I know you mentioned this in the story, you used to work for a camera store and it's, it's kind of funny because everybody's like, well, what camera did you use? All this stuff. And I always tell them like the thing that I thought in the beginning is that the camera was the thing that would make you special, but it isn't. And it's, and it's yeah, not even no. a camera body that, I mean, these tools are amazing. You know, we're so lucky to have this uh, non-monopoly based, like, you know, consumer battle challenge that happens be- between Canon, Fuji, you know, Sony, all these cameras. So they make these great products for us. They're very cost effective and they're incredible products, but mm-hmm. it's the lenses that really do a lot. So I got really into lenses. I fell into this mad hole and I started doing, I built my own anamorphic lens setup basically. Right. Yeah. I saw that. It's a lot of fun and it's, it's amazing. And so I got really into that. And then that led me into all these ways of seeing things, which is really interesting. But I started to really dig in when I, as I, I had um, a friend of mine, my friend Aaron Brimhall. He's on the past episode. We're going to be releasing that soon. He's a he's a, a photographer as well, and we talked about the idea that when you're taking a photo, you're taking a moment, but then there's a second stage. And for me, at least, I call it like the home photographer, where I'm grading. It's like I try to capture the essence of the mood, if that makes sense. Because yeah, totally. there, there's a there's a moment. Okay, cool. Now, what was the mood like? Oh, it was this, and 
pulling uh, the essence from that. So at the other end of the experience, when somebody sees the image, they do feel the emotion. And that's um, the interesting thing too. So um, a lot of that comes from, at least for me, um, it comes from just really observing why I'm moved by certain things. And a lot of the time it's moved by like movies or moving pictures or dynamic imagery. Um, and, and I, I, I stop on a frame and I'll look at it and go like, why did this make me feel this way? And then I'll kind of extract it. Cause it's all very simple. It's a formula. It's like looking through the matrix of numbers, you know, but yeah. there's essentially the same rhythm of things. Like there's contrast composition and then, uh, there's mood, which is the color. And then what's the story telling the story is always the most important thing. That's the fundamental, which is often the idea. And then building on those things. Um, yeah. It's, it's, which is why I think, you know, my industry that this is a part of why I think, uh, you know, this creations I do is not really art because if you're going to let's, you know, most of my images are made for marketing purposes to sell a product or to sell a kitchen or to sell a, I don't know, wall panel or whatever. And you can't really tell a story when you're trying to sell a kitchen. You know, it's just, it's just a product, just some dead thing Mm. that you're trying to sell. And I think, so I think that's why it's so hard to get this whole story and mood thing into Arquivis, at least like, you know, conventional Arquivis that everyone is doing. Yeah. Well, you've Um, you've obviously been doing it for much longer than I have. And on my, uh, to, to argue against that point is, that's where the true art is designed and it's like you go okay well how can i add uh, an essence to this like how can i take that concept and then spin it and go like well what does a kitchen do and why it's almost looking at it as a design almost and you think like well a kitchen does this effectively and it has these essence of things that it needs to do and and then we can kind of break down what it is as a, as a design and then kind of disseminate. Okay. Well, if this is what that does here, then that pushes this. And then, cause like you had mentioned, you worked for Ikea. Ikea is obviously big in America as well. And I often think to myself, well, why do we buy or why did we buy things from Ikea? A, it was cheap, but B, it was really fun and interesting to kind of experience the Ikea experience as a consumer. Yeah. Um, it, cause it's like this, it's almost like this dollhouse approach to living, which is this false reality. Yeah. But it's a beautiful reality though. Cause in the essence, you want to live in the render, you know, I always thought those are photos this is before I knew CGI. Apparently they're mostly CGI, which is crazy and awesome. Well, you guys that's, fooled me, so. that's a yeah. truth with modification. But sure. I won't go into that. Yeah, of course. I mean, but, but, but you know, when the, yeah. it got me to buy cheap it. furniture. So that works, you know? So yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Which is effective, you know? So I think that, um, in my opinion to not to counter you in an argumentative state, but all at the same time, the subjective nature of it is that there. So let's say like, um, the, I mean, cause that whole IKEA experience did have a narrative to it and it actually helped me consume the thing. And it was, a, it was like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to enjoy this. This is fine. You know? Um, but I think the narrative aspect is really what you're asking for. And I think that all comes down to just what story am I trying to tell here? You know, it's yeah, like, and totally. that's just more or less asking yourself like, well, what story do I want to tell? You know? And then you're like, okay, well, 
even if your ideas, most all of our ideas are simple, base core ideas are pretty dumb. Uh, everybody has them. Almost everybody does. <laughs> but it's like all about diving into them going like, okay, well, why am I telling this story? Like get all those bad ideas out. And then you kind of go, well, this one's kind of cool. And you just pare down into it. And the more you pare down, then you realize, oh, I like, I want to tell the story that was living in my subconscious about this thing. Well, what lighting does that feel like? Oh, it feels like, you know, like. 30 minutes after sunrise. Okay, cool. What does that room feel like? Oh, it's kind of small. And Okay, where should I shoot from? Oh, frame it so that you're behind something and then you're locking, you know, you're com- you're composing the frame to kind of... This is something that I learned uh, it's sidewise um, from Roger Deakins. It's like when he was... When he directs things or does a lot of photography, he's always thinking about the... the where the, where do we want the audience to be? Yeah. You know, so... You're... I think you're touching on something really important here because, you know, I get a lot of questions nowadays and a lot of that is like, uh, people are, I realize that people are worried The people in my industry are worried about, uh, let's say unreal engine, for example, becoming more realistic and, uh, programs like Lumion, for example, where there, you know, it's just getting easier and easier to create photorealistic images. And now you can do it in a game engine. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's good. crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. But so I get a lot of questions right now. Like people are worried, like, are, are our jobs going to disappear? Do you think like that 3D artists or like, uh, you know, in archivist artists will be obsolete because soon every architect, I mean, architect can do their own images. Mm. And... I'm always like, well, sure they can, but they don't have the experience of how to compose a shot, how to make an image interesting, how to work with lighting. They can make a photorealistic image, yeah. but making a photorealistic image is not the same thing as making a good looking image. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's the and, same point to you give uh, cameras to, you know, Roger Deakins and then five other random photographers, you're going to get and say, shoot the same thing, you're going to get five different interpretations. And Roger might be carrying the umpteen amount of hours that he's put into his experience and put that into the shot. He might not nail it, but at least he's thinking, okay, what story are we telling? Okay, what's the light? What's the mood? What's the tone? He's basically going through his decision factor process. Whether he knows it or not, he's probably doing it naturally without even thinking about it. It's just probably what makes him so unique i'm just using roger as an example because he's so well studied because he's openly about it there's a lot of other artists that are at his same level or different levels obviously but um it's Mm -hmm. very true because i think that it's 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 great to actually dive into this and i haven't even gotten into unreal engine yet i'm still actually waiting (laughs) i know it's probably bad i think that's actually a bad way because i think the two programs we should all be learning right now is either yeah probably unreal and houdini in my opinion because i feel like those two programs are the ones that are going to be leading the charge into the next phase of what it is that we're doing just simply because of the way that they they work node-based and um, procedural and all these kind of things that kind of break a lot of the issues that we've had from the beginning of this which is you know um, a lot of those issues are just such a pain in the butt but it's true Um, if you don't have an eye you, you don't have anything really, um, in my opinion. I know that's harsh to say. You you do have something. You have the you can have the tenacity to build something, and not everybody is meant to be a Roger Deakins or these things. That's what makes them so special. So there's also the argument that you could just fulfill the one thing that makes you happy, 
and yeah. whatever that is, who cares? As long as you're really good at it, that's all that matters, you know, in my opinion. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, it's, uh, people are all, people are often asking like, um, you know, what's the magic trick if we can come back to that, but, sure. or, you know, well, you know, what's the trick, but I think, you know, all the knowledge that you need to do anything is out there. If you go into YouTube, you can find all the knowledge of how to model things, how to texture things, how to add lighting to things. So, I mean, everything out there is available to you for free. Mm-hmm. You just spend some time on YouTube and you will learn it. Yeah. But still, why is it so hard if you have all the knowledge at your fingertips? Why is it still so hard to produce good looking images? Yeah. You could say the same with and, diet and your health. You could say the same exact yeah. thing. I mean, there's all the information you could ever need and want about nutrition and health. But yeah, obesity, obesity is a big problem. It's just uh, habitual Still, routines, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's laziness, yeah. it's lack of ownership. It's all these things people don't want to have for the most part, not everybody. There's a, there's a lot of people that want to have the followers and the fame and all this shit, but they don't want to work for it. They don't even understand what that means, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, as for myself, it took a long time before I realized myself that mm. the, you know, the art comes with experience and not with skill. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I actually made up a, well, I don't know if I made it up, but I, I came up with a, uh, with an, with, can I, I don't know if analogy is the right word for it, uh, or like a, a comparison. Like if you would want to learn how to paint and you go into YouTube and you can, you can learn everything there is about canvases, about paintbrushes, about how, you know, how paint works and, and all these technical details. But you can read books about painting. You can read and read and read. But you will never become a good painter just because you read about how to paint. Yes, of course. You know, you have to paint. You have to paint and paint and paint and do it and do it. And that's and that made me realize that the art of making things beautiful imagery for example it comes through experience only yeah. experience nothing else it doesn't have anything to do with technical skill and i think that's i also learned that from from your uh speech at dt you said something about uh that you know you go a lot into youtube and like like British 15 year olds that 10 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I mean, uh, that, yeah. that you learn things from on YouTube. Like they would be, they would be amazed of how much of their work goes into your work. It's totally true. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is, this is something I probably brought on the podcast, but oftentimes I get stumped on some kind of weird, simple thing inside of cinema 4d. I'm like, how the heck do I do this? I have to go on YouTube and I have to be like humbled by the fact that I'm learning from a 10 year old how to do something at age 37 that I'm like, I should have already known this, you know? So <laughs> exactly. there is a, I, I would argue that there is quite a bit of technical stuff, but I totally agree a hundred percent that it all is based on experience. It all comes down to the amount of hours that you just are willing to sit there because we're not, we don't have the matrix thing yet. We don't have the, um, the Elon Musk company thing yet. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm going to let other people p- do that, try that first, but then I'm going to definitely try it. Cause I cannot wait because I- I'm so tired of, Oh, uh, I have to do all this, you know, the time, but at the same time, that's part of 
the evolutionary flow that we have in this current stasis of, uh, of humanity is that we have to basically look, observe, repeat, rinse and repeat, look, observe, rinse and repeat, basically. And yeah. it's a continual cycle of that. It's a very slow interface. Um, it's a very slow mechanism. It's a very boring mechanism, but at the same time, it's that's what really separates everybody, I think. And when you look at somebody's really impressive work, you go like, wow, like it's always the, the quote that I always love is, um, it's a story. I, I believe it's, uh, um, what's his Picasso is at a party and this woman's like, Oh, could you draw me? And then he describes a napkin and draws her really quick. And she's like, he does it very quickly. And she goes, wow, that only took you like, you know, 10 seconds or so. And he goes, my dear, it took me an entire lifetime to do this you know mm-hmm. and it's and it's an amazing um thing because i think oftentimes with the general public i think almost everybody is somewhat creative in one way or the other that's why there's there's a there's an appreciation for uh art for the, generally not a huge one but i think that when somebody and a, a general person looks at art and goes like whoa i have a neighbor of mine a sweet guy i love him he's an older guy and he loves cars and every time i see him i talk about cars and i show him my cars he's got a really cool corvette and stuff too and and then i show him some of the stuff i'm making and he's like whoa like he gets so excited and it makes me super happy because he's the kind of person that i want to like share this with you know it's like not a CGI guy because I don't care about what CGI guys think because oftentimes it's usually a massive criticism and that it's usually sometimes it's right and most of the time it's just stupid comments but um but but seeing his excitement is my favorite thing because he goes whoa if you think of this and that and when we start doing deep conversations about things it's cool it's a conversation starter you know which yeah that that could go on forever yes yeah and those are the people that I'm mostly interested in affecting is people that are nine in our industry i don't care about the ego like dick scratch thing like i don't care about that because this it does no good for me to influence or inspire other artists in my opinion like that's fine but it's about the people that might not think that they could be artists or people that are curious about it that i find to be really interesting you know so the general person the, the person that's just living their life and then they're like holy shit like this is weird you know this makes me think about a thing that i had when i was a kid or something you know so yeah that's like the purest experience i guess so mm-hmm. but yeah i i mean i, I a thousand percent agree the experience thing is, is so essential i think if if you're listening to this and you're new to all these things um and you're maybe kind of like oh yeah 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 you guys are old or oh yeah 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 this is sucks i don't want to have to do all this i i think that as of now there's no way to escape it um yeah <laughs> you know, i was i was starting to to listen to this ebook that you recommended actually uh mastery from robert green it's an amazing book yeah really amazing book but it got me you know i i uh uh i can't find the words but it, you know i felt so bad listening to it because i, I i'm Same. like I'm like, do I really have to go through all this? <laughs> Same. You know, he's talking about the 10,000 hours. And I was like, you know, I, you know, after I've seen your talk last year and I listened to this book and I, I started questioning, like, what do I actually want to do with my life? You know, mm-hmm. do I really want to do spatial kitchen renders all my life? Well, no, of course not. I want to progress. I want to do something else. I want to, I want to try new things. I want to do animations, videos, science fiction. I don't know, whatever, you know? And I was like, okay, so let's get into this. And then, and then I'm listening to this book and I'm like, 
oh jesus do i really have to go through all this and <laughs> it kind of <laughs> yeah and it kind of i'm i'm i hate to say it but it kind of killed my motivation <laughs> no it's, it's, but true. it's true it's true i yeah. appreciate your honesty and it's i really do appreciate it because we we should only be honest here in general because i think it's only going to help people that are listening to this and ourselves too um but it's true and i've had that same experience while listening to that book as well because yeah. you know what I got depressed by? I got depressed by the fact that I'm not going to experience the life filled that I want, no matter how hard I want. And what, here's a quick example. I'm not into this, but what if I was into basketball or something and I wanted to be as good at basketball as, like, say, Michael Jordan? There's no way. I can't. I've missed that opportunity. The older yeah. you get, the more you miss those opportunities, which is why it's really important to focus in on what it is that inspires you at a very early age. And continue that journey, you know. But to your point too, you're like, I don't want to make interior kitchen renders all the time. Totally fine. But the thing is, you have to you have to realize that if you don't stop doing it, you're never going to stop. You know what I'm saying? So because yeah. the clients are going to pay you for the things that you're sharing and showing, you know. Because um, all the the way that the mechanism works for me, this is a big epiphany that I had, and I know it's very common, simple knowledge, but I like try to always dive down into like the the ones and zeros of things right it's like what's the lowest common denominator of this situation of this business model the way that i've encountered with clients is you go out as a person you go and learn and experience things you have an identity an individual system an individual uh, way of approaching the world you go and, and you invest in yourself and you go and make this thing called style a client will go hey that's cool style we want to hire you basically take your time give you money and we want you to put your style into the thing that we do. You go, sure, I'll do that. And then they take it, they take the money, you take the money for the exchange and then they take a bit of your soul. They put that soul on, let's say Nike commercial or whatever. So, so on and so forth. And that just continues. It's all the way from Ikea to anything. It's like on movies. um, Some of it's more, you know, considered cool or not so cool. Like let's say Ralph McQuarrie, for example, Ralph McQuarrie was hired by George Lucas to to design the world of Star Wars. Often people will go like, that's insane. That's amazing. So cool. Because he managed to make this thing that became icon, you know, iconic. Yeah. But uh, it, it all just kind of came down to George wanting to take what Ralph had been doing and, and apply it to his world, you know. So it's a real yeah. simple thing. So when you break it down like that, you go, oh, okay, like it's kind of sad and depressing if you look at it. But at the same time, it's very honest way to approach it so then the moment i started to see that i go oh so what really matters is just me having fun with the art and, and enjoying that it's for me exactly. personally yeah exactly no matter what you do you, you you can uh i remember one time i was working on this movie i invested so much time late nights just worked and killed myself for it and then it was like awesome and we went and watched the movie the movie was crap but then we, I was like, cool, like I have never seen myself, my name on the big screen. So we sat, my wife and I sat in the theater, let the names go, you know, looking, looking, movie ended. My name was on there and it was oh, like this, no. this, this, this ironic thing that's like, you know, you, uh, for me at least my journey was like, okay, work hard, get a name, build a style, go and do something, work on a movie. God, that's cool. You know, like check mark, you know, and then you do it and then, wow, I didn't, you don't get any, um, you don't get any. Uh, recognition via your name on the screen and it was yeah. like it, that moment it was actually a really good moment because i went oh see it doesn't matter that that does that stuff doesn't have any 
presence because that's just the small little trivial thing. What does matter yeah. is me taking ownership for making the art that I love, you know, and exactly. But that, probably that's like, just me. I'm just, I don't know. I, my journey is different from everybody else, you know? So, yeah. But if I, if I would guess if you would have seen your name on there, that probably wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would have made me feel less depressed, you know? So. Well, for the moment, <laughs> for the maybe. moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then in the end, I mean, did it help you to get to work with the things that you just want to work with personally? Like, would that have changed anything? Uh, I don't know. I mean, hearsay. That was such that was such an early part in my journey that I don't know what that would have done. You know, so yeah. it's hard to really tell. Um, to be honest, because I just you know it's such an early part. But um, yeah, I think uh. Yeah, I don't know. I think well, what I'm getting at is that there's these 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 award systems that you put on your way, your journey. Basically, it's like climb this mountain, you put your flag on that mountain, and you move to the next one. You know, for thinking about metaphorically, mm-hmm. but oftentimes that's not even the point. It's almost like a lot of times, and I get I'm, I get like this: is I put my head down and I go, "It's time to get to fucking work." You know, and I sit there yeah. and I don't look up, and I just and then I a year goes by and I go, "Ah oh, shit, I didn't look up at all." And I missed all these things and I realized mm-hmm. that, okay, it was good that I got the work done, but I also lost the sense of why I'm doing these things because I wasn't enjoying the view, you know? So it's like, I know I'm speaking metaphors. I apologize. It's too abstract for me to really distill down, but yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that. And I think this is an issue uh, probably for, for everyone in this industry where we kind of, uh, we're, we're in a strange spot because all of us in this industry want to do some nice art. I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we started doing 3D because we like the art. Yeah. But then in the same time, we got to make money. So yeah. we got to have clients. <laughs> and I know I think I speak for most most about everything or everyone when I say that clients basically ruin <laughs> your life. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's not I mean, they they pay you money. Yeah. So you are able to put food on the table. But they're also working against you when it comes to reaching your own goals or getting to work with things that you want to work with. Or, I mean, in most cases, not all. I mean, not all. There's, there's, there's a, there's a way to work with it. But I, I agree, especially in the beginning of yeah. my career, it was almost like a hindrance, and I was getting frustrated with myself. But what I, what I realized is that I was actually putting out the version of myself that I didn't, didn't necessarily want to repeat. If that makes sense. So. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, crap, why are they hiring me for the, all these things that I've already done? Well, because that's all I'm showing that I'm possible, in my, you know. Exactly. And that's all, that's my fault, you know, so I'll take blame for it. I've actually, tr- um, I try to spend my year, and I know I'm a little bit different than everybody else, but I don't, I could have had a studio, I could have had a company, could have done all these things, and had employees and so on and so forth, like we could all do, right? But I never really felt like that was going to match with what I liked because what I found that I liked is I like to be in the trench, I like to work. I like to put the time in. I like to touch the art. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't like to do emails and manage people necessarily. Um, sometimes I, I don't mind because that's that's directing and I do that a bit of that too. But I find that I'm most happy when I'm like making a cool thing a day and I'm just like, oh, this is cool, Arch. I'm like seeking new goals and achieving them um, daily yeah. or weekly, you know, and that's what yields my best version of myself. So, And so my ratio throughout the year is I the way I try to do it, if I'm good at it, I can, 
I'll work on a project for a client for maybe one or two months and I take one or two months off and I kind of juggle those two things. I, cause I used to go nonstop. I would just go client work, client work, double up client work, client work, and make all this money. And then all this money would just kind of go away. It was weird because like the taxes, the more money you make, the more taxes in the States they take away. And it yeah. all just became a big fucking joke, man. It was a big fucking joke. Cause I was like, why am I working so hard? And my wife's like, well, we're, we're going to retire. Like if I go well, like, well, I'm going to burn out if I keep going this hard, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I only have so much in my soul to give. And, and, and about the point of, you know, having to, to recreate yourself, it takes time, you know, yeah. uh, I see it's a lot of artists can... are, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just think it's funny because I can relate to this so hard. You know, this sure. is you're you're basically explaining my life right now. <laughs> well, I, I imagine because um, uh, we had talked a little bit, but I can also in the way that you're explaining things, I can see that. I think what's helped my sanity is I um, I make a, as much time as possible. Like so, basically, my wife and I we kind of break down. Okay, I have to make this much money a month. Even if I make if I make five months worth of this money uh, in a month, that's okay. Then I can take four months off, work one month on, you know. But the bare minimum is what I'm going after now because I don't care. Like it doesn't; those things don't matter to me as much. I'll get there later, and eventually, once I the the real way to make money is not to do art per client need. The real way to make money is actually to make a product or something that's scalable. That's proper yeah. business what we do getting paid to be a desk jockey hourly you can make a decent amount of money what i mean by a decent amount of money you can make like three to four hundred thousand dollars a year if you really are cushing like smashing through and you're burning out basically it's a lot of money but at the same time 40 50 percent of that goes to taxes so you cut it in half and then what are you left with it's not a lot of money you know, it's a big fucking joke. The more money you yeah. make, the worse it gets too. And it's yeah. this weird thing, this inflated idea. So what I do now is I go, how much do we need every month to get to continue the life that we have now, which is really a beautiful life and really enjoy it. It's very comfortable. So I get those and I nail that. And any extra time my wife knows, just leave me alone. I'm off doing whatever I'm going to do. Um, and there's many projects and many interests and that's how I've been feeding my soul. That's how I keep myself engaged. Cause if I don't do that, I'm, I'm going to hate everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's very, do you know how everyone is saying like everyone, everyone that is wealthy, it's, it's so ironic, you know, but everyone wealthy always say that money doesn't make you happy. Yes, it's true. Almost and, everybody and, I know that's wealthy that has that same conundrum. Yeah. And I I think it's so ironic because you need to become wealthy to be able to realize that. And, you know, I've always been chasing the money. I want to, I want to, I want to become wealthy, you know? Mm. What's that idea though? Besides the, what is that? Do you have, do you have a number in your head? No, not really. Just, uh, you know, I just, I just want to. That's a big downfall. That's a big, I don't mean to, (laughs) this is a big conversation (laughs) I've had with a bunch of my friends. It's like that's a huge topic of discussion. It's like, what oh, yeah. does that mean? What does wealthy mean? For me, it's yeah, like it's, $4 million, I think, to have $4 million because that money can make, basically make more money if you invest it back into the system. So then you could properly retire. It's like four or $5 million, I think, in America at this current state of existence. Yeah. But that's a lot of money. It's a lot it of is. money to, to acquire, but it's also just, it's, it's a mind state. You could make that much money if you wanted to, you just have to devise the way to do it. Thankfully yeah. we are, we can manifest and manipulate the world around us or in the altered state, you know, but yeah. 
But sorry, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just starting to like realize or I'm thinking about what do I have to sacrifice to get that money? Do I have to <laughs> sacrifice life? Do I have to sacrifice time? And I realize, you know, money is just money. And yeah. I am I'm, I'm not very wealthy at all. But do you come from wealth at all. Do your parents wealthy? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Not really. So cool. So uh, but but um, uh, you know, I'm I am starting to realize that money doesn't make you happy. I still want to have a lot of money, but sure. also, uh, you know, having a son, he's eight years old, soon to be eight years old. I eight, know eight your dad. Old. That's cool. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, that kind of starts. It's a good age. It makes, yeah, it is, and it's making me realize that time spent with him hmm. is worth more than any money, you know. Yeah. And I'm starting to realize that money actually wouldn't make me happy. Mm-hmm. I still want to make good money, but it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I've always been, I, I just want to enjoy life. I just want to enjoy doing what I do. I just want to enjoy doing, you know, pushing my own limits and, and, you know, focus on the art that I do and focus on my hobbies and taking back the hobby into 3d because you know we all start 3d as a hobby because that's how we get good at it and then at some point we lose it and we it becomes work it becomes everyday life and it becomes boring it becomes a routine yes and i just want to get i just want to find that spark where you know the idea of just creating something makes you excited and happy and sometimes i get it but Every time, you know, I get these ideas and I get inspired by something like, for example, I told you that after your uh, speech in, in Vienna, I, I on the plane home and, and a couple of you know weeks after that, I and, and a friend of mine, we uh, Martin, uh, we uh, started to you know, make a script for a movie. Great. And we were super excited. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. And then the clients came and, you know, <laughs> yeah, we have to put, put food on the table. So I had to say, say yes to the clients and you know, this downward spiral of killing all the inspiration was, you know, inevitable. Yes. It's a common thing. And it's a common thing. Yeah, it is. And I, I realized that, you know, lately I want to step away from client work. I want to find another way. And like you say, I just want to, I want to make the bare minimum to reach my goals and just have, I want to exchange wealth. I mean, I mean, I want to have a wealthy life. But I want to exchange money for time, basically. And I mean, time, we, we, everyone has time. We all have time. That's the, the only currency. thing we have. Yeah, we're yeah, all sharing exactly. the same currency. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 the, it's the only real currency we have in life. Yeah, yeah. The richest you, of you can never yeah. get that back. Money, you can always do, you know, you can always make more money somehow. But time, you can never get that back. Yeah. Well, money and, is just a thing. It's, it's an object. So therefore, it has limits. You know, it's a box of thinking, basically. The more yeah. you kind of reduce its power by thinking of it almost as this abstract thing, and you focus on true wealth, which is, like you said, to your core, a sense of happiness is spending time with your kid or having fun with your art those that's true wealth that's the real wealth that's the thing that's the things that money in quotes can never purchase because that's something that's earned and it's discovered by you personally and yeah. it's a, there's a tr- huge divide between these ideas 
in my mind there is it's like money it's all about comfort i think when it comes to money and money you should never look at it as a bad thing it's just a way of looking at it almost like this is a comfort this is an element of comfort meaning my have a warm bed and a clean house and a and a nice existence and and food that's great and 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 those things but that's all that money really gets you everything else true true friendship true ownership intuition experience curiosity all these true the true fundamentals what makes us unique as people that is the true wealth these are things that cannot be bought you know unfortunately exactly yeah yeah totally like if you if you don't have the money to do a certain thing you say like well if i had this money i could do this Mm. so you work for that and you spend a lot of time to reach that goal but then when you have it like, okay, I have this money now. Now I can do this. Now I can buy this. Now I can have this. But you you don't get satisfied by that. You just, oh, but if I had more money, I could do this also. You think so. You think so. That's a trick. Yeah. Yeah. It's a total trick. And yeah. so you're always just working to get more money. And I, I've yes. been realizing lately that I don't want to care about that. I want to care about, you know, what I spend my time on. And yeah. I realized like the past three, maybe four years, I haven't done anything interesting that I'm proud of, basically. You know, it's just client work. And and if you go into my social media channels, it is very rare to find any of my client work there because I just, I don't think it's worth posting anywhere because I, it's not something I'm proud of. I'm just doing it to put food on the table. That's not what I want to do. Sure. So, uh, yeah. It's, in the same I, way too, the same way. I mean, even though yeah. like the client work I do is, is, uh, I mean, it's like I helped design the Batmobile. I mean, that's pretty special, you know, like, yeah, but, that, that's but, the, super cool. but the thing is these things haven't come out for so long. They just take a long time. So by the time it came out, I'm like, okay, well here it is. This is like me three years ago, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, kinda, like, it's not as immediate, you know, so it's not a direct re- representation of who I am at this exact moment, you know, so. Yeah. which is what makes personal work so good. You talked about like getting back into, I call it like the sandbox as a child, you would go and play in the outdoors or in a sandbox or any of these things. And you would just imagine things, you know, and you just have this mm-hmm. beautiful moment. I, I, that's all I'm ever personally trying to get back to. There's a reason, like you said, we were hobbyists in the beginning and it was fun and it was also challenging, but it was a fun experience, even though we were making shit art in comparison to what we are now. <laughs> Yeah. It's true. It's because we didn't have the experience, which is why I said it's valid to not disregard the technical aspects because when people ask what render engine you use and what all, it's, that's a very valid question. What camera do you use? Very valid question. The problem is that's just one question. The trick is knowing how to ask the right question. That's just one, yeah. that's just one thing. But the other part is beyond all the technical stuff because there's this whole thing that happens. You go, I want to be an artist. Cool. Okay, time to get technical. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm technical. Now where do I go? You go, okay, now you need to have a voice. Okay, what's that mean? Poof, you got to go backwards almost to the child state and then start again. You know, it's like, it's a very interesting journey. Um, but I, I, back to your other point too, it's about wealth. I had this whole concept and it was something I was going to, I'm just, I had a lack of discipline to make it, but I was going to write a book or some kind of essence about it because it's a big topic, but it's about like, what's enough, you know? And for me, it's like, what is enough? You know, it's like, uh, you know, the chasing the money thing is never, it's never enough. You know, it's like, Oh, I want to have this, Oh, this car for this, that fancy thing. We we had been talking in the, in the Skype chat about, um, cars and 
I had mentioned that I had an NSX and um, and then I had mentioned to you that I'd sold it and you're like, oh, why do you sell it? Everybody asks me that. Why do you sell it? And it's like, yeah. well, I achieved it. You know, it's like, well, that's done. I achieved that mountain and see you later, you know, and I did it via being an artist. That's cool. I got to achieve a goal of mine, a dream car of mine. I bought a supercar with my passion. That's cool. And I built it and it was awesome. Um, and it was a journey, but then it's like, cool. Life is for experiences, not for like bookmarks, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to wish that you had something because Mm -hmm. you, you feel you believe that if I have this, I'll be happier. <laughs> but then, then when you have it, it's like, okay, I have it. Yeah. Now what? Yes. Yes. It, it kind of it's. I think the the thing that inspires us is always the chase yeah. for something. Yeah. And when we have it, it's like, I think you wrote something about that. Like, if you're a dog chasing a car, maybe you didn't. Maybe <laughs> I read that somewhere else. Uh, anyway, like if you're a dog chasing a car, like, but what if the car would stop? And the dog catches up to the car. Yeah. What would the dog do with the car? Nothing. It's <laughs> yeah, like, he comes point. up to it and he's like, yeah, okay. So I, I, I catch the car. What now? I can't <laughs> do anything. Yeah. And I think that kind of applies to our like view of well, wealth and well-being. Like if I can have this thing, I'll be happy. And if I can have that, I'll be happy. But, you know, in the end, it's like money and things are never the goal. And I've been starting to realize that pretty recently. Like the goal is not money. Money is the result that you get. There you go. The goal is something completely different. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, Yeah. and I I agree. And and I think um, this is something my grandma taught me. She was an artist as well. And she'd always say, well, you know, like we're money machines. And I said, what do you mean by that, grandma? She said, that's just kind of a crazy thing. She's like, well, we can manifest anything we want. We could paint we could print money based on our own imaginations and i always as a young age i I always remember that because i was like that's really true we're not like um let's say like uh i don't know there's other you know like a surgeon or a doctor or something like that they they can maybe manifest some ideas and stuff but like they can't make whole worlds you know like that's a very unique process and it's a very unique um kind of place and existence in our society it's like I always talk about something that I remember reading about with Steve Jobs is you think he would talk about this or it was a term used towards him about the reality distortion device or whatever Star Trek term, I think. But basically Steve would go and like think of the future and then extract that, put it onto his team and then demand that it occurs within the present. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's, it's a quite a unique thing, but it's very true. The more you can manifest that and pull the abstract into the current, uh, it's a powerful thing. And there's a huge value to that too, because you're basically teleporting, you know? So if you can think about it, you go like, um, like a perfect example as I'm designing a, a car with my friend Carlos and Matthew right now. And we're, we're not because we could go off and make like this photoreal car and beautiful and all this, so and so forth. But we're thinking about it even further and we're thinking about, okay, how is this thing engineer? How's this function? How does this work? How's the door open? How's the interior look? We're ans- asking all the questions and it makes it so fun because we're painting narrative with each piece. So instead of just doing uh, a basic car and, and, and achieving our photorealistic abilities over and over, now we're thinking of how does this, engineer what is engineering in the future like and it's so fun it's like we're painting little narratives and so 
I was going to say like when you went off after the talk and you guys wrote a script and stuff, it sounds incredibly ambitious. Most people that write scripts actually never do anything with them because they usually die. But the one, one challenge I would pose to you is why don't you work in a smaller window and go like, okay, I have a scene idea. I really like this scene from this movie. How do I take this existing scene and like put the mood that I got from that scene into this one, you know? And then I've been, I've been trying to do that, you know, just, if I want to get into animation, let's just do one scene. Yeah, just one scene. You know? yeah. yeah. And then I then I start with that and I, I come up with an idea for that scene. And then I I get inspired and I'm like, hey, so this scene kind of gets followed by this scene and that'll be cool. And then suddenly I have a whole script and then it's way too much of a cake to eat. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what happens and, too when we make 3D stuff or animation. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but oftentimes we get, it's almost like we're hungry when we go to the grocery store and we, we get too much food, like we're starving. Yeah. So then we get all this food, but when we bring it home, it all just kind of goes to waste because we, we can't eat it all. It was That's really, really good comparison actually. Yeah. Well, cause you're <laughs> never thought about Well, in our minds we go, Oh yeah, this and that. Cause in our minds, when we really open it up to the opportunities, we could see everything. The problem is you got to take all that ideas. Don't, don't harness, don't, don't, don't fuck with that because it's such a beautiful thing. Write it all out, make a list, kind of break it down and then break it into bite-sized pieces, day, day, day by day pieces, and then have the discipline to accomplish those things daily. But I also think it's important, especially with the way that turnaround is now, it's like getting things out so often, so current because of data and just the way that we consume things. It's good to have like little scenes and little moments and like sharing those things with people and kind of uh, achieving those things. I know that I think Alex Roman took like a year or two years or something to make the third and the seventh. Great work just takes time. Um, Great work just takes effort. Great work just takes that essence of out of you. Um, but it's definitely achievable. I mean, I'm looking at the pre-kitchen, pre-modern kitchen, that project that's on your Behance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think uh, when I look at all your, is this the one that somebody said sad? Is that the comment? Uh, no, that was an earlier one. Th- different one? Yeah, because there's a, there's, a, there's a tone to this that's different from your other work, you know? I could tell you're kind of going after like a, a mood and a tone. Sounds like it's like inspired by a, a television show. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It's cool. Like some kind of this, like I don't know. It, it that show isn't is it's not from the eighties, but you kind of like it's made to look like it was from the eighties. Yeah, something like that. The lifting of the blacks. It's in the grade, really, because you could change the tone and mood via the yeah. grade. I love the domain grading; so fun. I saw you use Resolve as well. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah. There's a, a Swedish director called Roy Anderson. I don't know if you know the name. Heard his, heard his name. Yeah. Uh, he is amazing and he's like all his movies is really like, uh, is it like just dystopic dystopia? I don't know. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, I don't know, weird, but the art direction is amazing. And that's partly where the inspiration from that came from. And that was actually also, it was just a quickie. Just I, I spent maybe a night doing that image because I just reused the kitchen that I had before and just, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to change this into something else. Mm. But I had so much fun doing it because I was inspired and I was trying to do something new, something else, something go. I hadn't done before. And that's where, you know, that's where this fire, the spark comes from. And I know I made a an animation 
uh, it's a couple of years ago called welcome to my place mm -hmm. and just a it's an apartment animation that is basically made to look like if I were holding a handheld camera and just walking around the, the apartment and filming it and explaining, you know, my place. And uh, I wanted to do this not because I had a, a very good reason to do it. I just, I just, you know, because I wanted to. And I was thinking, like, how do I create the most realistic handheld camera effect? And I figured the only way to do that is to actually capture the movement of a real camera. So I actually, I designed this, this space in 3D and then I printed it out on paper, the floor plan. And then I went to the, uh, uh, I don't know, the store, uh, and bought some, you know, I, I bought like nails and, and some, um, uh, never mind. I, I basically, and stuff? Yeah, kind of. So yeah. I, I, um, I basically do out the whole layout, the floor plan in scale one to one on my driveway just to have it physically, you know, and then I put up some markers, just Lego, and then I filmed it. So I, I was walking around in that virtual space in my driveway, just following the lines in the road uh, in this on the street. Yeah, basically. So I, I could I, I knew where all the walls were and where, you know, the points of interest was and stuff like that. And then I camera tracked that into 3D and I applied that camera into my 3D scene. And, you know, it's fun. this is a yeah, it was fun. It, it was. But the thing is, it was a really complicated way to solve this. I could have done it a lot easier if I I don't know. Uh, there are great scripts and plugins to be to do like you know handheld camera effects and there are i could have done it like Never the, the same with, yeah yeah well true true but i could have done it like in vr for example or using my phone just you know the accelerometers in the phone there are apps to do that mm -hmm. but still so maybe this wasn't the most effective way to do it so people have asked me like why did you do that and I, the, my reply is always the same because I wanted to, I just wanted to try it. I yeah. just, I felt inspired by doing it and that's the only reason. And that's, that's what makes it so fun. I think. Yeah. That's all it ever, <laughs> it's true. I always, I always get perplexed by that too. Why would you do that? Why did you do this? Or even in, uh, when people are, um, criticizing like, and I always feel like I feel bad for those people the most because I go, oh, well, you're asking me because you want permission to do it yourself, but you don't have the guts and the balls to do it. So <laughs> yeah. then I'm just like, fuck off, you know, like get out of here, yeah. go, go, go do something, you know? But, um, exactly. yeah, I mean, there is, that is the only reason why would you do anything? It was cause I'm selfish and I want to like this 3d yeah. CGI art world. It, it, this whole thing is such a selfish personal challenge for all of us. That's why there's a lot of egos and weird stuff in this world because it's like it's truly the person just making the thing that they want, you know, and it's like having fun with it themselves. But that should be the always the only reason you ever do anything. It's like, uh, you know, people go, why did you make the homage to Akira thing with your friend? And I was like, well, Mike and I just like Akira and we wanted to study Otomo and just have fun with that. It's like there's yeah. no other reason to do these things other than. You just want to do them. And it's so simple. That's what makes it so great because if it's simple, then it's actually, it's actually going to be exactly what it needs to be, which is you're just learning. And I think that's great. I know that was an older project. So I'm curious to see with all your new skills and your new uh, knowledge of these things, like what you would do with 
that same kind of odd approach, you know? So, uh, yeah. 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 Also at the same time, you you kind of, something's brewing. I'm sure I can tell already. So, yeah. Yeah. But you don't want to do the same thing twice, you know, just next time you want to do a twist of it, you know, find another way to do it or, you know, I don't know, but this is, I think it's an interesting topic because a lot of times when we post images online, our works, People, uh, they want to be kind. They want to help out. So they kind of like, they come with constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I appreciate that. Like people saying like, hey, this looks wrong or that you could have done like this instead. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, this is my art. You know, <laughs> I did it this way because I wanted to do it that way. Don't yeah. interfere with it. You know? Yeah. That's a real like, challenge. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I do appreciate people's will to help and to improve. But in the same time, a lot of these times... I think they're wrong. You know, I think that I don't agree with their comments. I don't agree because I, I did it this way because I wanted to have this way. Simple as that. I've never, ever, and not just because I don't want to, I've never criticized people's work online. No. I'll do it, of course, behind their back to my friends, but uh, <laughs> I won't do it to them online because that's not cool, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, but it's I'm being like you're honest, you know? someone's toes, you know? Well, it's the thing is, is like, no matter what they do, even if I feel if, if I, and I don't do this often, but if I feel like they're wrong in any aspect, which I, like I said, it's very rare for me. It's usually the only thing I'll criticize is somebody's just ripping people off and they're being cheap about it. Then I'm like, well, this, well, you're basically yeah. doing a study, but you're sharing it publicly and you're doing it for like, you're, you're desperately wanting quote unquote likes and, and appreciation from other people. And that's just yeah, desperate. Just and that's bad gross. ethics. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a very common thing. It's very rampant, but it's, it's, it is what it is, but I would never go, Oh, like I know what you should be doing or I, I've never, that never made sense to me. Like I never understood that, that mind state because I go, unless you ask me directly, I will not tell you because why would I say anything to you about that? But if you're asking me directly, then I will, I will give you the most Crit, like the most uh, direct and real response that I feel maybe would help you. But I, that was my big struggle when I was teaching. I was like, I would have oftentimes I would have students in my class that were, they were doing really cool work and, and they would ask me for critique. And I go, uh, my only critique is literally just keep being yourself because I don't want to you to be me and I don't want to tell you to be me and I'm not going to tell you to be me. And I, and I know that's not helpful, but at the same time I feel like, all I want you to do is continually explore who it is that you're becoming. It's, it's and I know it's like, yeah. a, it's, it's, it's cause even if I see like, Oh, that's a flaw, that's weird or whatever. I, I also go like, well, that's actually kind of cool. And they should kind of follow that, you know, and foster that. Um, it's a tough one though. I think it's a real challenge because we, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, the, the, I always, it's like unvetted uh, criticism just drives me up the walls. I had this guy uh, recently, um, he had posted something and he had the most snarky, snide, weird thing to reply on there. And he was basically saying like, why do these renders just not look real? What's the problem here or something like, (laughs) and he, he had a question like, do you know why that is like question? Like, I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. You know, like, what am I supposed to tell you here? And so for that, I just kind of go like, you're, you're just, you don't, you're unhealthy for me. So I just get, you're out of, get out of here. Yeah. You're banned yeah. from me, you know, like, like, and, and then I, I mean, he's, I look on his website, he basically is like just selfie nation everywhere. And I'm like, well, well, obviously, I mean, you know, I don't, nothing makes sense here. <laughs> like yeah. it just doesn't add up. So, but I mean, um, 
yeah, I'm very, uh, very sensitive about the work of mine and the work of others too. I go, well, whatever, you know, it's like, go and make it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're all work in progress, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely. And oftentimes, you know, these people, I don't want to like trash talk people, but oftentimes these people that, (laughs) (laughs) that's true. (laughs) You know, often these, these people that comes with this kind of comments or criticism on the images, like, Hey, you know, I would have done it like this instead because, you know, they want to, I don't want to, I don't know. They want to feel a part of it. I don't know why really, but, but you know, those who have the most comments about how you did things and how they would done things differently. And then you go in to look at their work and it's usually crap. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like just starting to blast people like with that too. I'm going to start doing it. I think I'm, people are going to get mad at me. They're going to think I'm an asshole, but I'm just going to start saying it. Sometimes as it it's is. fine to be an asshole. Well, I'm, I mean, it comes to a point where it's like, okay, well I'm releasing the work. I never said that I asked for criticism, but you're giving it to me when it's unvetted and your work is not worthy of even talking to me about that. So yeah, here he comes, you know, it's like, a, your work is derivative. A, B, it's not original. C, it's un, it's not done well. Like there's, you know, there's. I could see you're trying to achieve this, but you're failing miserably. And then the the actual, the actual audacity that you have to criticize me makes no sense because you're obviously wanting to put yourself in the same ring, but you're not. You know, so get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's a hundred percent ego. And I'm sure people are listening to this guy. God, Ash is an asshole. But it's like I'm very passionate about my work, you know, and if you come to me and you criticize it, if it's unvetted and you just say general terms, it's like part of it is that you're probably true and it's probably there's some truth to it. So that's what hurts so much. But the other part is, well, just shut the fuck up because <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I know I already know this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it, it's it's I, I have a problem with this because it's even something that's a big topic that I talk about with my therapist is like. Um, if I'm not willing to take the the negative comments then I shouldn't be willing to take the positive one. So then I, no comments should mean anything, you know, but then it gets yeah. really concerning for me because, um, I don't, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, I make the art that I make selfishly for me, but I also make it to share and have fun and go like, ah, oh, look at this. And then I love seeing that influence go to other friends abstractly, you know, going like, oh, wow. Like. I was inspired by that. So I did this and then that inspired me to do this and so on and so forth. And I don't know if that's an ego based thing. Most likely it is. Everything is ego based. So, um, well, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely no, a topic I have though. A, so I have a problem with that. Like, you know, I'm, you know, for being a Swede, which and I think Swedes are pretty generally known for being, uh, you know, we're basically raised to not, taking any space in the public room. We're not supposed to be, we're all like equal and no one should stand out from the crowd, if you know what I mean. Sure. And like, we're really modest people. And I think that's also, you know, I have a really hard time um, handling uh, like positive comments and compliments. I can't take it. I don't know. I can't, I just can't handle it. Mm. Like, and, and for a while people online were calling me like, master and sensei and i was like you know i hate this kind of i hate hierarchy you know mm, I, yeah. I just can't take it but in the same time i kind of i think it like builds some kind of cognitive dissonance here because when people criticizes my work and i look at theirs and i think like hey your your work is not as good as mine you're not master you're not sensei <laughs> yeah, it was like you know i kind of you know 
I, I want to be on the same level as everyone else. But at the same time, I can, you know, if I get comments from someone and I look at their work and I, I think it's crap, it's like, I, I can't be on the same level as you, but I, I want to be. Yeah, that's a complicated is, thing. It's complicated. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And plus you're going against like your upbringings and also culture that you live within and stuff. And I think that I was, I also look at like the Japanese culture too. Like it's, it sounds like it's kind of connected to that same idea, which is like one of the whole, like we're all together and uh, individualism is kind of frowned upon. Um, yeah. But it's always there, you know, like there's always a, I mean, it's a deep in, in, inside the culture. It's like, you know, a master apprentice system basically. So, and there's a high respect for mastery in, in both of those cultures, I'm sure, especially in Swedish culture as well, I imagine. So there is a definite divide there, but yeah, I think it's a, yeah, it's a weird thing. It's, it's not everybody too. And then generally it's, it's just these weird outliers and it's just a PSA to, to those people. It's like, Hey man, like literally don't make comments like unless unless you feel like i mean because this is this is the way i would approach it and maybe if i was this guy i would maybe uh email me or send a private message or something and go like oh i saw this and this uh looked kind of odd i don't know if this would help you here's a, a, a link to some information or something that's so much better it's so much more constructive and i would actually listen to it rather than go like oh this is like a blanket compliment comment that's negative. It doesn't make any sense. You're just throwing hate or, or, or rude rudeness around and doesn't yeah. make any sense, but you're, and you're just throwing it like it's it, but it does have an effect. And it, what it, what it did, it was, it turned me off to that person's existence and I just blocked them from my existence. And that's a bad thing, you know? So <laughs> yeah. And I, I realize it's unhealthy. I'm, I'm completely aware, especially in my own, my own personal sense. It's like being like this is unhealthy, you know, but at the same time, I, think, there's, I mean, there's, I don't know how to deal with all the noise. There's a lot of noise. So. Yeah. But it's, it's natural, especially in a, you know, a person in, in your position who, I mean, you've gained a lot of recognition online and you have a lot of followers. And obviously with that comes a lot of people, they want to make themselves heard by you. And, and, you know, just, I think it's a common thing that if you comment some someone else's work with you know some criticism or so they think like hey now i can get a i can become a part of your life somehow yeah i get i get that i totally get that yeah sense yeah i I totally i think i just think it's it's um you you you'll get a brief amount of my time and then you'll never be a part of my time ever again that's how it's like that's the price you pay unfortunately because it's like I it's, I do the same thing as like I treat I try to treat my online space similarly to my real life space. If I'm on the street and you come up to me and you say something stupid to me, be prepared for me to have an argument with you or for me to assault you back. You know, like <laughs> I know that's yeah. a very American thing of me or whatever. Or that's my combative stasis basically. But I treat it the same way, especially if you come at it like that. But I know it's not healthy, like I said, and. I used to do jujitsu. I can't anymore. I have a ner- I have a nerve damage in my neck. It makes my hand go numb. So I stopped it. Ouch. But that that could be um, all this tension basically is probably building up from not being able to do martial arts anymore. Unfortunately, but <laughs> yeah. but um, I think with jujitsu, it taught me just to kind of be humbled by everybody's on their own path, and and the certain things uh, will come about, and people will say those things. But I just feel like when you uh I, f- I feel like they would almost benefit from me giving them back some of this and going like 
you literally cannot even like your comment and the way you're approaching it is very destructive towards for you. You should not, you should, you should hold your comment because it makes no sense because you're, it's unvetted and your, and your words are unvaluable because you simply have no experience. <laughs> so just yeah. stop, like stop what you're doing and go back to work. Cause that's all that's going to matter, you know? So, but exactly. Long I rant. feel like yeah. if, yeah. if I would, if I would, uh, common someone else's work like yours for example or whatever it's like if i would do that like give criticism or constructive criticism i i would put myself in a position where i kind of pretend that i'm better than you yes because i'm telling you how i would have been doing like like you would even care you know i know you wouldn't care yes yeah and and it's all in the approach you know like yes i mean a perfect example is like i'm doing these things and i have projects so i'll use uh, my friend carlos again for example and he I, I tell him to him clearly it's clear as day that he knows way more than i do in a certain realm of what we're creating but mm. i also have my own knowledge you know but it's a different type of knowledge you know so it's a from a different place but when it comes to us working together all of the ego is gone it's gone. It doesn't exist because there's a place of respect. And I go, yeah. I'm here to learn and listen. And then vice versa. Even when I'm making, like I have another project that I'm doing with my friend, Francois friendly robot and him and I made passage together. And I love working with him because our egos just go away. And all we do is we're having fun creating and we're just painting and, 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 and creating and being very objective. And, um, we, we, like we don't critique in the sense of destruction. We critique in the sense of development. It's a really beautiful place to be. And it's one of the most amazing places to be when making collaborative art. It's a true place of like respect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. And that is very rare. I think I, I'm having collaborated for so long with so many different friends and people. I feel like I've been really starting to find my close connections basically we all have different things that work for us you know so that's awesome it's a beautiful place to be though i think that yeah and the one thing that i use when it comes to collaboration is i tell my friends and we all agree too is like our work alone is good it's good work you know our work together is great work and the reason for that is objectivity because we are we're able to destroy and build and destroy and build in the in the best possible way of just capturing what it is the essence together, you know. Because um, mm-hmm. it's so easy to get wrapped up in your head, especially when CGI, because you get so lost in the minutia of just the drudgery of creating things, you know. So yeah, it's very challenging. This is also, I think that's a a tip that I would like to give people. Like, if you can work together with someone, someone that you have a good relationship with, um, that that's it could be a game changer, you know, just because I've, I've learned this while uh, working with my friend uh, Martin um, over at Texture Supply. We're, we're developing like this, uh, you know, brand together. But one thing What's that I learned, Texture Supply, we just do, uh, we, we were developing this kind of texture scanning uh, technology. But that's for another topic. But one thing that I've learned from that is that, you know, because we we work together in in a lot of ways, you know, when you know creating images and stuff. Even though he might not be always involved in the work that I do, having him as some kind of wall that I can just throw my ideas at and get his response to it 
is so invaluable mm. because so invaluable so yeah because you know invaluable. I, I realized that i can throw him some ideas and they may be stupid they may be totally stupid and i I'm, i Most know are. it yeah but those ideas they give birth to another idea in his brain and he can throw that back at me and we can you know bounce this back and forward and eventually we have a really good idea yes. that i could never come up myself yeah yeah well you could come up with a variation but it would never be the birth child and that's it's i think that's a true essence of 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 what it is to be human we're just talking we're yeah. talking about really the fundamentals of being human that's what it is the yeah. fundamentals of being human is 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 true collaboration that's really true yeah. it's and yeah, whether it's creating like, a child or creating a society or creating a government or a culture or food or any of these things it's all the same thing it's all very similar yeah. it's all connected yeah i mean everyone is different and we're we're pretty uh i would say simple minded really yes because i mean we have our ideas but they i know just having someone to take your idea and crushing it and turning it into something else and then throw it back at you and then you can develop that further it's a it's a treat it's it's yeah. and if if you know even i mean a lot of people in my industry are freelancing and i've been suffering from this as well working alone mm-hmm. and yeah. it's hard it's because even though you think you're good at what you do working alone I think it's never a good idea. I mean, if if you can, even if you would bounce these ideas or just talk about your work with someone that is not a 3D artist, not an artist at all, it could be your mother, it could be anyone, just throwing the ideas there and listening to what you get back yeah. can can really change your approach to the better. Yeah. Well, I would say, uh, I would add to that, and I'd say it's really... Um, it's really important and specific and special and it's a and this is an important state if you're beginning and you're listening to unvetted random criticism you it could damage you because yeah. if you're let's say it's coming from your mom or something and she doesn't like the color blue but you do and yeah. you make a scene that's blue she's going to criticize it and ruin your experience mm-hmm. but if you share it with somebody that like is a version of yourself that you want to eventually be a la a mentor or a a competitor, uh, not competitor, uh, a collaborator that's ahead of you. And then you go, let's collaborate. I always, when it comes to collaboration, I always go, how can I complement my strengths with your weaknesses and your strengths with my weaknesses? And, and how can that combine? That's a, mm. that's a really, and being honest about that, like, okay, uh, quick example, I'm not good at, I don't like the process of UVing. My buddy Leo, he does. So he does the UVing for a lot of my cars because I'm like, I don't like that process. It's not something that I enjoy. It's not something that I like to spend time doing, but he does. He enjoys it. And then boom, that collaboration is a perfect fulfillment. It's a real s- simple example of one, but that's a perfect example of how I approached it. So I think when yeah. you get criticism or, or a feedback, it's, it depends on your, I mean, like I said, I've been doing art forever. The CGI stuff, I think I'm pretty new to it. So it's, it's sometimes it could be detrimental and, it's worse when like people um, that I look up to will criticize it or like have bad words towards it. I'm like, ah, that's kind of crushing. But at the same time, uh, I, I understand that I have a lot to go, a long ways to go too. So, but it, when you're starting out, it could be 
it could be cl- uh, catastrophic if you're not careful about where you get your feedback from because it, it could crush you. And, and the thing is we all have potential within us all to be masters of whatever it is that we want to be. And it's, yeah. really, it's really dangerous um, when, when you're out there at the beginning. Just, it's really important. I always want to make sure I say that because it's like be ready to uh, try and find somebody that's healthy to connect with. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, I can't remember who, but someone said that you should always surround yourself with people. Maybe you know this quote better than I. Yes. Um, better than you, right? Yeah, isn't it that? Yeah, I think it was like that. Yeah. Or yeah. people that can, you know, move you forward or whatever, I don't know, something like that. Yes. Yeah. I learned and that from jujitsu too, like directly. You always want to. Yeah. Do- train with the belt below you a belt with at the same belt and then a belt above you. And you learn the three systems, basically what you've learned, what you think, you know, and then what you don't know, you know, all, all exactly. at once. Yeah. And not being afraid of reaching out to people because I think yeah, like in my, yeah. especially from my view, you know, being the modest Swede, I think like if I would reach out to, to anyone like you, for example, it was hard to get you on the but, podcast too. I was like, you're, you're like really avoiding it. <laughs> I was like, no, come on, let's do it. Which I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that. When I get that reply, I know the episode is going to be great. I, that's, that's always a, um, a tall tale thing when I ask somebody to be on and they, they do that to me. I go, okay, this is going to be a good one because they're humble. I love humble people. It's my favorite type of people. So, yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, that's a part of who I am. And I think, you know, I always feel like, how could I anything? How could I anything I say be interesting to anyone? There's tons but, of it in this episode, so in my opinion, maybe, hopefully, I think so. So I'm biased, so but yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> well, anyway, and and what I've been learning, uh, especially from being this modest suite, is that, um, like I would just the thought of you know reaching out to you, for example, or, or anyone else that I look up to is scary, and it's like why would that person even want to listen to what I have to say? Because I'm just a puny human and this guy is a God. Like, let's say, for for example, I was at a uh, job interview a couple of years ago or yeah, I think it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Um, one and a half years ago. Anyway, that I never thought I would ever go to. And that was Apple industrial design, mm. which also is the most secretive, department of apple you know the people are working there they're not allowed to talk about their job anywhere yeah yeah. not even to their wives you know yeah and um stuff yeah and it's like this time actually they reached out to me and i i didn't change them i don't even i don't even know how they found me but that was like that was one in a million where the basically the dream company reaches out to you yeah like what what chances are that what you have to do what i've been realizing is that if you want something you have to go get it you have to reach out to people and i think that's really hard like you know as i said like if i would reach out to whoever that i look up to like what would i actually be able to contribute to them to their lives but in the same time i know that everyone else or most other people think the same way yes so there's basically no competition if if i actually just start to you know get my guts together and just start reaching out to people yeah things will happen yes they do um and i would add to that too uh, i love that note as i uh i like to 
pass random notes of kindness to. So if there's mm-hmm. a if there's an artist that I know that I follow and I see their work and I just I just either send them like a a little private message or uh, just post it on their thing. But I just whatever I feel about their work, I go it's like your work is absolutely beautiful or like just things that I know that uh, they're true for me. They're not disingenuous. I have no. Uh, I have no attachments to anything from that experience other than just passing love. And I find that to be really nice too. It yeah. finds a great place because there's no objective to it. And it's just simply like, because in my mind I go, why would I do that? They'll never read this or this and that, so on and so forth. Um, especially with the big people, it's hard to get to them because there's only so much time in the day. Um, yeah. it's, you have to get kind of around all the loopholes to get to them, but I find it it's it's uh it's very true and you never know until you try and I have zero expectations when it comes to that so I don't expect anything to come from it so I just kind of let it go and like a like a like a thought in the wind boom and there it goes <laughs> you know it's like and yeah. if it, it reaches them and it makes them feel good great you know if not then well I tried so yeah, yeah. Well, it takes it takes so little yes it takes to just so little. Re- reach yeah. out but I think it's it's uh you know, I'm, I'm, I can get starstruck really bad. Like if I meet someone that I really look up to and I feel like, you know, he, that guy is a God and I am dirt, you know, that's basically how I see it. Mm-hmm. And which also means that I, I wouldn't dare talking to that kind of person. But when you actually just do, when you just, you know, come to your senses and just say hi and you realize Hey, that dude is a person too, you know, yeah, just yeah. a human. And hopefully they're good people. Not all of them are good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. It's that's kind true. of rare. And that's also yeah. really a scary thing too. Like when you meet your heroes and you're like, oh wow, like you are just a person, but you're like a bad person. Oh no, like this is horrible, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, but yeah. it's, it's, it, that comes with the risk of doing it too. But at the same time, like you never know, like you said, you never know until you try. And I think that's really the, the key is you just have to go out there and try and see if, if you can you know, connect with people that you admire. I think that's a really, that's something I, I'm trying to think of the person. There's a person I was studying that that was basically their life is that they would connect with people that they admired and manage to, to kind of work with them in a sense. And then they kind of l- learned and, and studied their way of working and then applied it to their own. Oh, I think this is the person. If I think about it, I used to play music a lot when I was younger as in a bunch of mm-hmm. bands and there was oh, this, really? there's this one uh, uh he was a guitarist i've mentioned this story probably on the podcast he was a guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne he had passed away i think i think he had a car accident or something unfortunately but Ouch. they would travel Ozzy and them would go party and you know all that kind of stuff he would leave after the concert and go find the best like guitarist or musician in the place in the town and then he would sit and take lessons and learn from that so everywhere they would travel, because this is before YouTube and all that kind of stuff, you know. So yeah. he was constantly always curious about mastering the art of guitar and being really good at it and and discovering that thing. And I, I love that. I always remembered that that story of like in most people's eyes, he was a he was a guitarist that never needed lessons because he was so good. But he in his eyes, he was obviously very stricken with the idea, like I must learn it all and I'm humbled by the fact of like learning from everybody, even like this, you know, quote unquote, Joe Schmo out in, you know, wherever teaching me guitar. It's like, I love that. You know, I'm yeah. humbled by that. It's a beautiful thing, you know, cause we're Absolutely. always, we can always learn even from like the, like I said, even from like the blanket unvetted 
criticisms, most of the time there's some sort of truth to that. They're just trying to, totally. it's just their tact is wrong. So it's like, um, it's usually just a mix, mix in communication. And so I have to acknowledge that and go, okay, that's well, just a lapse in communication. But at the same time, yeah. you're getting punished. And I, I always, I always call my social media in uh, North Korea. So it's like, you know, like <laughs> you're out of here, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> cause there's just simply not enough time in the day to deal with these things. But yeah, so that was a, that was a thing to add to that. Cause I think it's really valuable. Um, mm-hmm. One last topic, and then I'm going to let you go to bed because I know it's late over there. Oh, okay. um, yeah, no problem, but yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, we talked, well, there's two. There's one I want to go back on to. Well, three, sorry. We'll make it, I'll try to make it quick, but one of them is intuition. The other one is comparing, which we talked about earlier, and then the other one is sharing. Which one do you want right. to dive into? Because I think each one of those topics has uh, a ton of to talk about, but which one would you dive into? But and we could do know. another episode I, too. We don't. Have I don't to know what you have one, in mind. So. But, well, yeah. Am I really interested enough to interesting enough to listen to to make another episode? <laughs> I think so. And you'll watch once well. if you're listening to this, you find <laughs> value in it, and you find it interesting. Please um, reach out to J- Johannes and, and tell him because I think it's. A, <laughs> oh, think, okay. Uh, obviously, he's insecure hey, about his, about being on here. So <laughs> just remember, I cannot. I cannot deal with the compliments. So just, yes. you know, so call him master and sensei the first words that you have in your email and then go move forward. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's after a great start. Well, we talk about sharing and I know that, um, I know, okay. it looks like you have a Patreon, I think. And then you also have tutorials on stuff. So yeah. yeah so, it, but I think that's a, isn't that a Swedish thing too? It's a kind of a, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's, yeah. uh, I think it's, um, I don't know. Puts me in a, I don't know. It's a, a state of, you know, I just feel good when I share stuff, you know. Uh, and I think that if I have knowledge, um, you know, people and I've been fighting with this feeling too. Like if I share this, am I creating my own competition? Mm-hmm. You know, am That's, I, am I, well, it's true, am I cre- though, right? if we're being real about it, we're all competing almost. You know? Yeah, That's absolutely. Like absolutely. But at the same time, you know, I just want to, I don't know, I don't want to be, I just want to be the good guy. And I think it's, uh, it's fun to share. And I, I think like if I have this knowledge that someone else doesn't, you know, I should share it. Yeah. What and do you get out of that sharing? I don't know. It's just, uh, it feel, feels good, I guess. It's, uh, I don't know. And I mean, obviously running a Patreon page also makes an income, but you know, I never, I I didn't start Patreon because I wanted to make money out of it. I I just thought it as a, you know, a a fun thing to do something, you know, a little, a little project, you know? Um, and now I've, I've gained, you know, quite a bunch of followers and I realized that, Hey, I could actually make a living out of this. Um, so I've been trying that. And the funny thing is, you know, coming back to that with, you know, with clients always trying to, you know, destroy your days basically. It's up Um, to you though, right? It's like you that. Yeah, it is. It is. And I was like, I've been, I've been wanting so long to just focus on the sharing stuff. You know, if I could make that my main source of income and I could take, you know, take a distance from client work and just focusing on, on doing what, is what I'm passionate about. Um, and in the same time, sharing that knowledge and getting paid for it, that's a dream, you know? 
And I've been trying to chase that as well. But then at the same time, there's a client comes along and, you know, know, the dollar sign comes up in your eyes and like, hey, I actually need the money and I take it. And the first day in that project, I always regret that I took it because I realized that it's hindering me from doing what I really want to do, which is record stuff and, and try new stuff and whatever. Yeah. Mache and I have been talking a lot about switching over to Patreon simply because of the ideas, especially with this COVID thing, it was kind of like a shaking, shook us all pretty good. And it was almost like, uh, oh, maybe we shouldn't rely on clients so much. Maybe we should think about like low risk investment from our fans as being the thing that produces our existence basically and being able to make the work that we do because that's really cool i think that there's a if you can manage it properly and treat your fans as your clients in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and give life to them and value i think it's a very healthy existence um it's challenging but it's uh, I, th- I find that there was a lot of failures that happened from a lot of artists. And I think the failures mainly came from, uh, and if I could, if I, if I think about it, I think a lot of failures came from people just over committing to things that they knew they could never do and, and keep up basically. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's challenging. I think too, it, so. as long as you always start small yeah. and like have no expectations and just let things let it evolve in its own pace yeah, and people will be fine. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a matter of finding a way to, to give that value to people in general, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's also one thing that I'm, I'm battling with, you know, running this Patreon page is like people are, are paying to see the content that I do, which also, it creates some kind of uh, anxiety about, you know, what if the content I do is not interesting enough. What if they won't think it's worth it? What if they think <laughs> that I'm wasting their time? And, you know, I always think like I've been doing three, actually four uh, keynote presentations on like, uh, you know, these conferences and stuff. And every time I feel like, what if people think I'm wasting their time? You know, what am I even doing here? Sure. And I think Patreon is, is a very good Imposter example of that. And yeah, yeah and, and exactly. Imposter syndrome. And, and especially now when, my Patreon page has actually gained a, a pretty decent amount of followers. It's impossible for me to appreciate them all. You know, it's like if it was like 10 people, I could I could, you know, know them personally. I could know who they are and I could appreciate them for being there. But when it's hundreds of people, it's like I don't know who these guys are. Yeah. And I want to show them appreciation somehow. But, you know, it's and that in combination with the Swedish modesty, it's uh, it, it, it's a it's a tricky thing to handle, definitely. Sure, that's a beautiful thing. But I, but I love doing it. I love doing it. Yeah, good on you for doing it though. And I think you're right. And I uh, it's something I learned from Vitali. Uh, he would say like you know like he would just every five years or so. I think he's been in a in a lull because not a lull, but he's been really busy with his games and stuff. But mm-hmm. usually he just kind of gives all his stuff away at a certain point and then he starts over um, and that kind of rekindles his love of what he does. Um, and yeah. I think that's a really, it's very exhausting when you think about it as an artist, there's yes. so much like so much time in the day, but it's also really invigorating because you're like, Oh, this is how I do this, this is how I do that. The trick I find is that you need to be able to do it um, not responsibly, but you need to do be able to do it where you can regain uh, value from it. Um, so that the time that you do spend giving that back away 
like it, it goes back into keeping your life together you know and so it's yeah. like because oftentimes i'll get these questions uh, online and uh i try not to spend too much time because they're too abstract but and then i'll try to answer certain things but what it, what really people in my opinion are asking of me personally and i'm sure the same of you is like can you go further into explaining how it is that you do what you do? Cause I just want to know. And then you got to go, okay, cool. Like I'm doing this because of this and that because of this and, and so on and so forth. And then you can kind of dive down and give them true knowledge, you know, and give them true essence by doing a Patreon thing. And so there's an exchange rather than here's all my knowledge for free. It's, uh, why? I don't know why people do that, but it's almost like, here's my knowledge. It's going to cost this much. I think it's worth it, you know? So but that's also valuing yourself too, which I know is a topic that you like to get into as well. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I noticed in like the, I completely agree with the sentiment too, is in CGI. Um, when somebody starts this in, in the industry, they'll, they'll underrate themselves and go really cheap. And, and, mm-hmm. and I totally understand that essence um, because you're like desperate for work and you want to, you know, just get the job. And I, I've been there before. I, I know we all have in a sense. Um, but I think, like you said, it damages not only us, but not only them, but it damages everybody. And of course, your work has to be good to be professional to ask the right price. But um, yeah, it's it's I think being knowing your own value is really key and it's really challenging, you know, especially when there's not a lot of information about this stuff, too. So, yeah, uh, yeah. And I've tried I to think also the topic many times here, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and I think also like reaching out to people the right way. If you're gonna, if you're chasing clients, you won't find them on Facebook or no. Instagram. No. No. no, and at least I mean, not yet. Yeah. If you're like having a website, you're, you're you're I mean, if you're looking for people on on or you know, I mean clients on Facebook, for example, you kind of have to price your way into the industry. You have to you know fight your way with low prices and basically sell yourself out. Yeah. But if you, I, I noticed that the best client connections comes from uh, connections that you already have, you know, mouth to mouth. And one of, one of the things that I, that made a, you know, the biggest difference for me when it comes to finding clients is just to be, be active in, you know, socializing, like not posting on Facebook. That's not socializing. I mean, like personally getting to know people, yeah. and getting a relationship with them and getting recommendations because if you're good enough you have um you know some you have some connections and they in turn have a friend that needs something and they will recommend you and the the good thing about that is that it comes from people that you somewhat trust people that you know Instead of just some random cold emails from online, people that you have no idea who who they are, where they come from, yeah. um, they are usually pain to work with because they don't know you, you don't know them, you don't know their expectations, and uh, and also a lot of them just want to have cheap stuff. <laughs> yes, almost all, and and can't blame them because not everything needs to be expensive. At the same time, it's like well. I don't want to do that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just yeah. learned that, you know, the most serious serious people, the most serious clients or or companies 
they very often go through contacts that they have to try to reach out to people like, hey, do you know some good? Because they don't they don't trust finding someone on Google. It's like, hey, this is the first hit. Yes. Uh, this seems to be a good guy. You know, they, they don't trust that. So they they will go through connections they have. And you just want to be in that circle somehow. Yeah. And the way to get there is to be genuine, honest, hardworking, focused, dedicated, you know, on time, professional, like all of those main attributes, like you need to have them all. Um, you can't be one or the other and you can't be yeah. one less of the, you can regress if you get really good, then you can kind of be a bit of an ass to work with. I don't, I'm not like that, but I know that some people are like, but that won't last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, I think it's just, it all comes down to, to, to being a, to being, you know, trustworthy on time, reputable, you know, honest, direct, um, yeah. I mean, I even have conversations when I first inter- encounter a client and I know it's going to be a big uh, adventure. Basically I go, Hey, well, you know, like I, I simply at this point in my life, I don't, I just don't do work that I'm not passionate about. So I'm, I'm picking this job because I'm passionate about it and I want to make great work together with you. And I'm, you know, I'm willing to do these things and I want to get to this place, you know, and it's going to take a lot of communication and being direct and, but I'm also going to need a lot of space and trust, you know? So it's like, I try to be upfront as much as possible. And I say, you know, leave me alone and then I'll go make something. And then don't, don't, I I always say like, I want to be the client's brain, not their hands, you know, it's like. Exactly. Yeah. You want to be consultants. Yes, exactly. And it it takes the time. It takes time. It takes uh, you know, I think it takes a, a while to get there. Um, but you, you kind of, that's when, it, that's when the, the client job kind of blends into the passion job, you know, it's like totally. that's when it becomes like, Oh cool. Like I have ownership of this and they're letting me run with this and I'm having fun and there's a cool symbiotic relationship. So there's definitely moments where that exists too. And it usually exists if you, um, you have a real direct, honest conversation for me, at least it has, a, it starts in the beginning and you and you you both kind of explain what it is that you're after, and then I always explain like, well, I'm I'm a little weird. I work like this. I was working on this Marvel project, and the wow. I know that with Marvel, they're constantly like, okay, we want to see dailies and work every day and all kind of stuff. I know that's kind of the methodology, but I'm not that kind of artist all the time. I can turn around stuff very quickly if I have to, but I'm like. I'm not the type of artist to go on Pinterest and then regurgitate it and then kick it back and say it's mine. It's just not my style. And plus I'm just not a factory. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I get why they would want that, but I don't see the value in it for me. So I said, how about this? Just leave me alone for the week. And on Friday, I'm just going to dump a bunch of stuff at you. And then I said, just trust me. And, and, and freaking, I love this team, the person I was working with because they were like, sounds good. I understand the process. And then I, so, but the pressure was on me for Friday, you know, but then I would deliver the gold every time. So he was like, okay, this is just how this person works. He kind of goes away. I might not be painting every day. I'm like thinking about it, sketching ideas, pulling references, considering things, you know, like, but it's some most art, good art, at least in my opinion, it takes time to, to, to process, you know? So yeah, totally. and, And it takes time to, to gestate and, and go through the cycle of birth and rebirth and failure and <laughs> regrowth and stuff too. So, but it's, yeah, it, I've only been able to do this properly over the past couple of years. So this is kind of a new thing, but it seems to yeah. work okay. So but. that also takes probably a lot of preparation work and, and really, uh, really making the clients that you work with understand who you are yeah. and 
have a mutual respect and, and learning how they want to work and having them learn how you want to work. Because, you know, I, we, I, I went into this trap so many times where clients reach out to me and say like, Hey, I love your style. So I want you to do some images for us. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And then when I deliver some drafts, they change everything to their style. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, so you started this while, you know, by saying that you love my style yeah. and you want to work with me for my style. Yeah. And then you totally run it all over and do your own thing. And I want to change everything. At that point. I've done it many times. I've done it many times recently too, for huge companies really? too. I just go, I'm, I'm sorry guys. Like I, I was hired to, to do this. You've asked me for this. And yeah. when we first talked, this is what you asked me. And now you're doing this. I don't, it doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, that's, that's I want so hard I, to do. I, I respect just, that because that's so hard to do. I mean, it's, it's kind of a diva move, but at the same time, I'm very, I'm very present about the fact that like you've hired me for this. So why yeah. are you doing this? I don't get this idea. Like I could see if I was missing the point, but what you're doing is you're making me do art that I would never do. And you've asked me to do something that I was supposed to do, which was be authentic to me. But then you're doing this. And this was, these are huge companies. And it's awkward too, especially because my wife is my producer. So she's like, oh God, here it comes, you know? So, <laughs> but I feel like it, it's, I've never had a good experience from that. And the worst thing is, um, this is a telltale sign of a, a possible project to go bad is when there's more, there's too many people on the call. It's the oh, worst yeah. thing. And I always go like, shit, how many people are on this call? There's six people. How, how come they're on? I've worked on f huge films, massive films where I'm just talking with one person. It's the director. And that always yields the best results every time because it's like, I don't have to talk to a producer that knows another producer that's another creative director and all this kind of crap. Like I was listening to this really great interview that my friend Mike sent me, which is great. It's uh, with uh, Christopher Nolan. And Christopher's talking about when they had the idea and inception for making the Batman, when mm. he, when they were designing the Batman, it was him and it was his production designer. I forget, his name's escaping me, but they were just in the garage and it was just the two of them. And it was just them talking amongst each other about what they love about, you know, this whole franchise and then how to evolve it and all this kind of stuff. And he was saying, you know, typical systems that he's encountered is that they'll hire teams of concept artists and, um, they'll do all these iterations and kind of fail and then every, it would be like designed by committee. And then you get like, I'm not going to name names, but most of these current films that we know, you know, they're derivative, they're non-creative, they're just kind of boring. Um, they, they're, they might have a splash in the pan for a month and then they're instantly forgotable, forgotten. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, um, these are, that's a, that's actually due to mismanagement and, um, they're oftentimes just due to lack of uh, character and lack of direction. So when I get on calls, I go, ah, shit, it's one of these jobs where there's 20 people on the other line and they all want to have a say. And at the end of the day, they're just going to take this thing that they've hired me to do and they want me to all kind of make it worse. You know, and I'm very vocal about it though. And I'm, I know it sucks because I'm just like, I try to do it in the most polite way, but it's, it's fucking tough. You know, it's like, Hey yeah. guys, like you hired me because I have a sense of things for my own right. And, 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 but we're not doing that. What happened here, you know? And, and how can we get back to this place? And then they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. And then, and then they continue it. I go, okay, I'm, I'm I fired myself from this job. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> that, that really takes some balls to do that. 
But just, I, uh, I, I mean, I envy that. And I think that should it's, all a do really, it. it's a really, <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't matter how much of a diva that is because it's, it's important to respect your own work and your own, uh, just style. And, you know, I had a, in my, uh, in my terms, in my quotes that I send to clients, I have, uh, it specifically, specifically says that my clients should, uh, point out one person that will be my contact mm. one person only nice. and that person will take responsibility for that every bit of information that's leaving them to me mm. or Thanks. that they give me mm. is kind of like, I like that. filtered out through that person <laughs> i like that a lot uh, it is it is it, smart but smart the move. problem is that it doesn't work in reality because no, yeah. right for example <laughs> i have this client right now uh, a huge swedish client um, um and don't have to name names it's okay <laughs> no i'm not gonna do that but uh and it started out well i had one contact but then you know a couple of weeks later, hey, we're just going to add this person because, you know, this is the, I don't know, director of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be on the calls. And then a couple of days later, hey, we've got to add this person too. Yeah. And then this person. And then a couple of weeks later, yeah. there were six people involved instead of one. <laughs> and we would have screen share meetings. Yes. And, you know, we had this proof system where you know I upload images and they can comment and they start you know in the in in my uh, drafts they start you know uh, arguing with with each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, can can you not do this? Like, yeah, I just I just just stop meeting. them and go like, hey guys, I, I can't be in here for this. This is this, yeah. This, this is, doesn't make this a waste of all of our time and energy. Yeah, exactly. Please handle this on that, your own side. Yeah. Exactly. Well, fire me like bye. you know, it's like, I'd rather, <laughs> yeah. cause I would never want to work with those people anyways, honestly, if I'm being completely honest. And and that's why I love to be in this situation that I am where I don't have to cost my live cost of living isn't so high that I'm desperate to work for anybody and say yes to everything. The moment I learned yeah. to say no, my, my happiness went up, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you don't need to. And that's just like, um, I really don't like working for agencies cause I don't get the point of it if you work in an agency, it makes no sense. I, I have some friends that are like, Oh, it has validity. Sure. If you don't know how to communicate, sure. I see the point of it, but I know how to communicate. So I don't see the point in somebody taking 40%, 50% of the profit for literally sending emails. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It never has, yeah. never will. Not everybody's like me and they're going to, some people need more management other than, than, than themselves. And they don't want to deal with that. So I get that. But I mean, my, my, my business partner, my wife, my producer, she handles all those things too. So it's like, so anytime we encounter an agency, uh, usually I just run away from it. I go, no, 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 I'm not working on this. You know, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, Even totally. if the project sounds great and stuff. I had a recent project where they were like, oh yeah, we want you to do like seven rounds of revisions on this. this, this so, so, and so I'm like, seven <laughs> rounds? What? And, I, and they're like, but oh, we want, do, we do want 10 options for this. And I, I just say like, I'll give you three. And you pick one, but I say like, I don't see that. I remember I was, it was another really big job, um, a while back, huge, huge company starts with an A and ends with, uh, I don't want to say anything, but it, they were like, Oh, we want to have all these. Can you give us like three different rounds or whatever, or three versions? And I said, no, why would I do that? And like, Oh, well, can, everybody else does. I go, well, you know, people also do stupid stuff, you know, like, and I said, why would I invest any time and energy, the limited time that you're giving me by money to do anything other than what I think it needs to be? I learned this from Saul Bass, I think, when kind of like watching the way he worked. I remember there's a, there's a letter that he wrote to Stephen 
Jobs, Steve Jobs, about um, designing a logo for him. And he was like, he was so hardcore. <laughs> he was like, I designed the logo, you pay me 150000 and you pay me first or something. Like he was like, like legit hardcore about it. And I just love that. I'd love the directness of things, you know? And it's like, some yeah. people might look at that as like, oh, you're an asshole, you're brash, or you're egotistical, or you think this. But honestly, if you think about it, it's like if 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 you hire me for my instincts, I'm not going to give you ten random instincts. I'm going to give you what I think is the right one. I can give you maybe yeah. a variation, and I'm always like, let's let's try three things, okay? I'll, I'll I'll humor you. I'm thinking this is it, but and oftentimes they're right at some point, and sometimes I'm right, you know. So it's difficult though. You know, it's they, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and a client like that, you know, if they want to have ten different versions of something, yeah, okay. that only proves one thing: they don't know what they're looking for. No, and run away. And if yeah, they, yeah, if they don't know what they're looking for, you shouldn't be part of it. Yeah, it's scary. And, it's I mean, dangerous. Yeah, like in, in in my case, this client of mine that I was talking about, you know, I I love them. I love working with them. They're great people. Yeah, amazing people. Yeah, but this whole process just reminds me of the importance of having just having a good start you know just yeah i don't know some kind of uh um educating our clients like this is the way we work yeah and this is how things are have to be have to be done and we have to stick to it and i think my biggest problem is that when things start to go it starts to drift away from you know this initial agreement yeah uh, like one person I I don't really stop them soon enough. I just I just roll with it, and yes. then I, it sounds I'm, harmless, I'm, right? It's like, oh, Tom's gonna add the meeting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah exactly, whatever. exactly. And it's like, but then you realize that, like, the first draft I sent them, and then the final image. I think you know the first draft took a couple of weeks to send them that draft. Yeah, and then it took another three months to deliver the project. <laughs> so expensive. And so expensive. Yeah. And the first and last images, they were kind of the same, you know, <laughs> didn't happen a lot. That's why you're in hell because you're dealing with that. That's purgatory right there. That's just dragging Absolutely. out the, the, the engagement. Absolutely. You can kill that off pretty quickly. I think if you yeah, I mean, are it's, just it's a little bit there. more stringent about it, you know, unless you like it, you're okay with milking that out and taking that and going, okay, cool. I'm just going to, stretch this out for the sake of having money that's fine i think there's nothing wrong with that too as long as they're getting what they want but yeah for me i'm just like i want to get you what you want as fast as possible so we can go on with our lives you know so yeah (laughs) it also comes down to the respect of their time and their money i mean yes yeah no one wants to sit in meetings because meetings some people do it doesn't i hate meetings so yeah yeah yeah, well, I mean, as a company, maybe at personal level, they might love meetings, but as a company, you know, they don't even, I mean, they don't only have to pay for your time being there, but they have to pay salary time for all their employees being in that meeting. So meetings are expensive for Super companies. expensive, yeah. So they, Most I mean, people's lives are expended in meetings too. Yeah. Let's talk about the thing then, that somebody's talking about, the thing that's the talk about thing, you know? Every friend of mine that works at big companies, they say it's just... A bunch of smart people put in a, in a in a fancy building doing nothing and and making work that nobody will ever see or care about. I'm like, yeah. that sounds fucking sad, man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Fuck That's that, how man. a lot of companies work. Super sadly. sad. I think it's, uh, it's it's not their fault. I mean, it's no. just it's so easy to get stuck in that limbo, and I I yes. totally understand that. But I think it's our responsibility, and I'm failing at this, but it is our responsibility to, you know, put the foot down and you know. Yeah. Um, 
just say like, hey, hey, we got to stop this. We got to we got to rethink our strategy here. Yeah, I mean, it's but, okay. uh, I think it's good. You should be able to. I think if you if you communicate it clearly and just say like, because I've had many awkward conversations with clients where I think they've never heard of somebody talk this way to back to so oh like you remember the conversation we had at the beginning like we're drifting from this and it's harming the yeah. project it's harming my creative flow I'm not, able, I'm not able to deliver what you've been asking me to do because of this because it's shifted yeah. and 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 i don't want to go there you know so and i'm i'm always willing to be like i will just grenade this i don't care you know like and, exactly. and you, you can go off, oh, Ash is an asshole or he doesn't care. No, I do. I care tremendously. I care actually too much. <laughs> That's the opposite. And uh, and I'm willing to just run away from it if I if I have to because it's not <laughs> it's not worth my personal health, you know. And, and yeah. it's true because I think a lot of times with artists ourselves, where most of us are pretty um, timid, we're pretty chill. Um, we usually can go like, okay. I remember even recently working with a friend on a car. And he would say, I don't know anything about how you do what you do. And then I would kind of explain it. And you're like, okay, can we do this? And I say, oh, that's kind of difficult, that. And I was like, well, anything's possible, but it's a matter of time. I always say, like, I tell, I told him, pick three or pick one or two of the three. You want it fast, cheap, uh, or um, high quality. High quality, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and pick one, two of those. And one of them has to, has to leave, basically. So pick whichever yeah. one you want, and then we'll work the formula around that, you know. <laughs> and then there we go. Okay, well, you want it, you want it, you you want it cheap, but you want it good. Well, then it's going to take a long time. Yeah, you want totally. it. You want it high quality, um, and you want it uh, fast, and it's not going to be cheap, you know. So. You know, it's like pick of the two and that will give us the, the fate that we decide on where we're going, you know. So, yeah, it's tricky. These waters are very tricky to do. But at the same time, I found that the more I'm able to be human and direct and honest, even if I lose jobs or I miss things or whatever, I'm much happier with the people that I actually align with. I go, OK, these are my terms. Let's stick to these. And then they're Oh, these are these are our terms. OK, we can we can find a middle ground and work from yeah. there, you know. So, yeah. I also think a, a problem with being a creative or being an artist is that once a client starts changing too much, mm-hmm. um, you kind of lose inspiration. You kind of lose the interest of doing things. And, and yeah. one thing that I've noticed is that for every change they come with, the quality falls. Yeah. yeah. You know, basically, Why is that? If, I don't know. I think it's because, you know, I mean, we're human and the more they change things, the less intrigued or the less we care about the result. We're just going to get it over with. And, and it, I always get into projects like this. You know, I, I'm excited. Like, this is going to be amazing images. I would love doing these images. Yeah. But nine out of ten times, it always ends up with, oh, I just had to finish this off so I can get rid of it and move on. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, you don't care about the quality anymore. You just had to get it done. And I think that's... That's the hard part of, you know, just, I don't know, being in this industry because it's inevitable and it's hard to explain to clients that the more they change, the worse the result will be because they, they change because they want to have it better. So it kind of contradicts their views. Well, I think oftentimes too, it's like, it's not even that. And it's something I talk about with my wife and guests on this podcast is like, um, so that's why I like, I don't like it when there's a lot of people in the meeting. Cause I'm like, Oh crap, here we go. But oftentimes it's a, they don't even they want to have a place of value so that they have a they have a criticism even though they know it, it, it doesn't make sense you know they're just yeah. saying it just to speak 
and it's like well okay yeah they just want to have their influence yeah it's like it's it's a perfect example of like let's say let's take a a film for example it's like fight club for example and somebody would go oh i didn't like the way that they did that scene well yeah well can you do better no (laughs) obviously you can't because you didn't make it so shut the fuck up you know the thing with the client though it's like Oh, you, they 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 have a place because they're paying, but at the same time, I, I do it. I I have to go like, um, what we're possibly doing is potentially damaging it, you know, like we're damaging yeah. the originality, the authenticity. Um, it's like it's criti- criticism is fine. It's very cheap, but if you take ownership, I think it's really key. It's something I learned from directing, is like you could you could pass judgment, but if you pass judgment with um, reasoning, like I think that usually benefits everything was just like oh like i don't like this because of this but here's what i was thinking we could potentially do and that's just taking ownership of it you know so it's a mm. difficult one it's very difficult but i mean yeah. and these are all these examples that we're talking about too are they're they're totally bespoke to the situation everybody's going to have a different experience with so on and so forth but these uh, general terms of like working with clients these are general things that I think almost all of us that work in this industry have to, to deal with. And I think that's, if, if there's any value that comes from this podcast, I'm hoping that these kind of conversations where we're like, I'm, I'm, I imagine people don't do what I'm doing, which is like fire themselves from the jobs. <laughs> but I yeah. think, I think it's a, it's sometimes people a valuable thing. I, I think yeah, if we totally. all, I think if as a, as a unified workforce of people in the creative industry, I think if we, valued ourselves a little bit more um we're less critical of others publicly um more, we took more ownership for what we're doing and also respected ourselves in our time more i think there would be a pretty big shift in kind of how we deal with um a lot of the the shit that makes client work and just the overall existence as artists kind of shitty so but mm. most of it's a perspective and most of it's our perception of it too so I take responsibility for my own perception of it too. So, yeah, we just got to realize that clients hire us for the expertise that we have. So then they better listen to it as well. I mean, hopefully you, you, you don't go to a advertising agency to make marketing content for you or add, add, add ads for you and then tell them what to do. I mean, that's not why you're there. I mean, they are, they are professionals They you go to them because they know what they're doing. Yeah. So then you're not going to tell them what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And I think the same comes to us. I mean, if, if, uh, they approach us, they hire our services, they better listen to our opinions and off more often than not, they don't, in, yeah. Uh, yeah. at least in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you could do it with anything, go to a restaurant and be like, Oh, uh, this food is weird. I'm gonna go to the chef and start talking criticizing his cooking and try to see what he yeah. did wrong. It's like, do you do that? It makes sense. You know, it's like you go it's, like, or if you go to a restaurant that you love, you, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's oh. very related to food and just all that stuff too. So, but, but like, yeah. uh, like Mike Golden said, by the way, if, if, uh, you should have Mike Golden on this podcast, really amazing guy, really yeah. interesting guy to listen to. Could you introduce um, us? I'd love to know more about him. Of course. Absolutely. He always has, interesting things to say and one thing he he expressed that uh, in one of his talks he said that there's always the chair guy you know the the chair guy is is the guy at any company that 
just want to get involved to move a chair, you know, just gonna, you know, you have this image, it's basically perfect. And then they just want to change this thing. Like, could you just rotate the chair 10 degrees? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they want to have ownership. Yeah. Yeah, They want to have ownership. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I could, but it'll take me, well, rotating the chair will take me like 10 seconds to do, but opening the scene and doing the change and rendering a new draft and all the administrative bullshit, (laughs) it takes an hour to do. And does it appear, does it improve the image at all? No, it doesn't. You just wanted to. You just wanted to get involved. Yes. Just a, it's it's just bullshit. Yeah. The problem is, I I haven't found a way to, you know, to counteract that. You know, how could you explain to the clients what is happening in that situation without? being disrespectful i know how you do it you pass the ball of responsibility and what you do is go that's fine yeah i can totally do that that's going to be x amount okay cool you want it yeah oh no i don't want to move the chair yeah of course you don't (laughs) yeah because it's going to cost you money because because now it's going to pay for it exactly i have a um a system that i try to work out basically so like changes our iterations our phases those phases get paid for. We have a certain amount of phases that you want to pay for. That's cool. You go on above that, boom, it gets, it's expensive. So it's up yeah. to you. So get, get real about your notes, be serious, show up to the meeting on time with all your thoughts, and then let's close that out and we'll go to the next phase. And every time we meet, you have a phase and then you could just own that. It's going to cost you X amount of money to do so on and so forth. That's calling yeah. it. I, I just pass the ball. I go, oh, you, okay, here you go. And then yeah, most just, of the time they go, oh, no, no, no. You know, so I go, okay, cool. So you didn't really want to move the chair. You just wanted to say something, but you don't want to take ownership of it. So, so shut the hell exactly. up. You know? so, yeah. <laughs> I know, I mean, again, I sound like I'm a diva here, but it's literally years of dealing with this stuff, you know? So yeah, but, not everybody's I mean, it, bad or mean, or they don't mean maliciously. They don't have malicious intent. It's just, just often stupid things that people do. So, yeah. Yeah. But it is important. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I kind of lost my track, but yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's not a diva thing to do. You just got to do it. I think the problem is just that you, you also want to be friends with the client. You also want to sure. be in a good position with them. And You're not though. So yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I think this is the problem and it's a problem that I suffer a lot from is that I, uh, I just do it. I just comply with their changes or with their opinions just because I want to be the good guy. You sure. know, I just want to be easy to work with. And and then I swear when, as when we've hung up, you know, because I just, fuck, why did I agree to this? Now I had to spend a whole night doing this and yeah. I wouldn't get paid for it. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. That's when you got to stop doing it. So I always, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, one of my rules too is I underpromise, overdeliver, but that comes with a cost on my own self. So, and I do it. I'll, I often do it too. So there's certain times and certain friends or clients that I work with that I'll go b- above and beyond, um, and uh, I'll let them kind of push me around with the certain things. But yeah, it's difficult. It's not easy, um, and it's a challenge. Yeah. It's a challenge that you kind of have to deal with. But for most part, I if I find that it's like, oh, cool, like I can definitely do that. This is going to take X amount of time. It's going to cost us much money. You still down? And they go, no. I go, okay, cool. So like you didn't mm-hmm. really want it. That's how I actually manage that one. That works pretty good. Um, yeah. It seems to work good. Oh, man, I have to pee so bad. I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> you you need to come back on. We need to do a, a, another one. Um, there's just a lot of topics to cover. and uh, I would love to. Yeah, I know we have a lot of things to discuss. Um, is there anything that we... I'm sure there's a lot of things we missed. Is there one thing that might stick out that you're like, I wish I would 
we've talked about that uh no not really cool we i can save for that we didn't talk about cars or anything but i'm sure people are sick and tired of hearing about cars on this podcast so <laughs> that's fine maybe. too or maybe there's a lot of fans that love cars and they want to hear more about it and we'll do that in the next one but yeah um but i appreciate you i appreciate um your time i appreciate you spending time and doing this with sharing yourself and your yeah. your thoughts Dear, the pleasure too, is so. the pleasure is all mine i just love being here boom all right there it is everybody uh, thank you so much to Johannes for coming on and sharing his time with us. Really love this episode. Going to have to have him come back on. Please, if you're listening to this and you have a spare moment, send him some love. I think uh, he could probably use uh, your words of encouragement because I know that he had a bit of doubt coming on. And I think that he did amazing. So let's praise him for that. Um, I know that we're in this odd stage right now with this whole COVID thing. So I hope you're all doing well, staying healthy, and your families are well, and um, you're looking forward to the brightness of the future and some things that you'll learn from this uh, this, whole, this whole odd thing that exists. Uh, and, and it looks like the world's changing. Where uh, This is Wednesday the 20th, May 20th right now, so it looks like Europe is opening back up again, and I think America is going to be starting to open up again, which is great. Um, I think we all just want to get back to our lives and enjoy where we were. Um, but yeah, so I'm not going to talk and rant about it too much, but um, I hope you're all doing well and staying focused on what it is that you're trying to do and learning and growing. And uh, you know the drill, everybody. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>